live at WGAURadio.com. And we are on Facebook Live, the Oconee County Republican Party's Facebook page. The video production this evening, courtesy of the folks at Esoteric in Watkinsville. Thanks to them for putting this together. You will hear this evening from candidates for sheriff in Oconee County, probate judge in Oconee County, seats on the Oconee County Commission, including the Oconee County Commission Chairman's Post and a contested race on the Oconee County Board of Education. But first, a candidate and one of several running in a special election that will be held in November, the race uh, for David Perdue's Senate seat. I'm sorry, the race for the vacant Johnny Isaacson Senate seat. Kelly Leffler, Governor Brian Kemp's appointee to that seat. Uh, several candidates, one of whom is with us this evening. We will give the floor to Candace Taylor, Republican from Baxley. Candace Taylor. Okay. Thank you so much for having me here. It's my pleasure to speak with you. My name is Candace Taylor, and I'm running for U.S. Senate in Georgia. I've been a working wife and mother in public education for 17 years, serving my community and home state as a teacher, a counselor, a program director, and an advocate for children. I'm proud to be a part of the most disenfranchised group of citizens in our state and country. That's middle-class America. I believe I'm the only candidate in this race that truly understands and identifies with working class families because I am one. I'm a native of Baxley, Georgia in Ackland County. My husband Ryan and I are both educators. We have three wonderful children and it's their future and the future of millions of Georgia children like them that moves me into furthering my public service. I have seen firsthand in my home county the devastation of jobs being exported overseas, businesses closing because they can't compete with industries that place them at a disadvantage, and Georgia families facing a number of unnecessary yet reversible hardships. This election is about transferring power from K Street in Washington to Main Street in Georgia. America is the most cherished land in all the world, protected by our Constitution. We are blessed to be citizens of this great country that upholds values and ideals that are sacred. Protecting our values, traditions, and constitution is a continual mission inherent in everything I do, from raising my family, to counseling children, to serving my community, and now to running for the seat in the U.S. Senate. From my perspective as an educator in rural Georgia school system, I understand the challenge of doing more with less. I teach because children are our greatest resource and I find nothing more rewarding than investing in their future and helping them to achieve their dreams. In addition, I have spent countless hours with children who have been physically, sexually, and emotionally abused. I have fought in the court system to help prosecute the predators that have hurt these children to ensure offenders can no longer harm other children. My experience in public education have, has taught me a great deal while enlightening me on the real needs of our state, its economy, its education and health care, its infrastructure, its future workforce and leadership, its diversity, for diversity and most excitedly, its potential for greatness. There are issues that are critical to the future of our state and country that cannot wait to be resolved. The time is now for the people of this state to take back and rebuild what has already been eroded by partisan politics and special interests. We, who are the working class of Georgia, are the majority, and I hope to inspire folks like me to rebuild what has already been eroded by partisan politics and special interests. We, who are the working class of Georgia, are the majority, and I hope to inspire folks like me to start to act like it. My sole interest is what's best for all Georgia, not just special interests, not just the well-heeled lobbyists, 
not just financial institutions, but all Georgians, especially those without a voice. Collectively, the chorus is growing louder and louder. I want to invest in education for its role in personal and economic development. I want to establish a fair, more efficient process of taxation. I want to restructure our mental health care system. I want to preserve and expand industry, beginning with the interest of our farmers, whose agricultural roots in Georgia run deep and for generations. Even more so, I want to dis disband career politicians to make a way for the common man to serve. I want term limits. How can we grasp the meaning behind for the people, by the people, when our government doesn't represent this? This goes back to our country's roots and gives more true representation in government. I have real life experience that's invaluable, immeasurable, real. I'm in the trenches every single day. I have solved problems with sheer will and determination aided by mo the mobilization of fellow Georgians concerned about our future and our children's future. Georgia needs the skills of a professional counselor like myself to heal and rebuild relationships necessary for governance and growth. I don't believe anyone in this race is more representative of Georgia's true work and citizenry than a middle-class fed, Christian-led, Georgia-bred educator and advocate for children. Some of the issues that are critically important to Georgians and their families are implementing fair taxation, refocusing education, mental health services, supporting agriculture and native industries, and protecting small businesses. Friends, let me conclude with this. When you are facing, one, the growing demands of your time because we are working harder than ever before, two, the growing requests for your hard-earned dollars because we're bringing home less and less, and three, the growing needs of your children because their future has never been more in question. Who's going to identify with you on these concerns? Who's better equipped to fight for you in Washington? Is it a millionaire lawyer who bills more per hour than you make in a week? Is it a billionaire owner of a professional sports team that operates light years away from your little leaguers? Or is it someone who teaches kids like yours, counsels family and friends like yours, and worships in churches like yours? My name is Dr. Candace Taylor, and I identify with your needs and concerns for Georgia and its future because I have those same concerns myself. I hope you will vote for me as your next United States Senator from our great state of Georgia. Serving our country isn't about you or me. It's about a duty that we all hold. Quick story, just this week I was honored to receive a call from a 95-year-old World War II vet. He had looked for my number for over a month after reading a column about me in a paper. Just to encourage me in this race, his words have echoed in my ears and spoke to my heart in a way I cannot stress enough. He told me to remember that we must leave our government in a better shape than we found it. And it's unfortunate that we haven't seen this in our current political world, but I can assure you, I can assure you that I will. In closing, I refer to Psalm 33:12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen for his inheritance. Thank you for having me. Candace Taylor, thank you. Uh, and now what we'll do, we'll bring you out and we'll bring in the next three candidates. Uh, they are the incumbent uh, chair of the Oconee County Commission, John Daniel, and two challengers, Johnny Pritchett and Carol Bennett. Uh, these folks will slide in next to me. And we will commence with questions. They will last about 30 minutes. Each round of questioning for each set of candidates in these contested races last about 30 minutes this evening. Uh, the candidates, a reminder to them, uh, they will have one minute to answer the questions. Uh, each question will go to each candidate. will have one minute to answer the question. Uh, the timekeeper is Pam Hendricks over here. She will hold up a sign that tells you when you have about 15 seconds, and she'll tell you when it's time to stop, so keep an eye on her. 
And with that, and we'll toss the first question to John Daniel, the incumbent chair of the Oconee County Commission, was a question that came in from a listener earlier today who knew that we would be having this forum here this evening and then, of course, on WGAU Radio. And he asked this. Uh, it speaks to something that's been an issue for as long as I've been here. Uh, deals with the relationship between the Oconee County Board of Commissioners and the Oconee County School Board. Uh, take a moment, take a minute to be precise, John Daniel, and assess that relationship and what we might do to improve very good. That's been uh, definitely one of the more disappointing uh, areas in my first term is the relationship with the Board of Education. Uh, I went back over the last week and kind of thought about some of the things we've been trying to do. Uh, we, we appointed a Board of Education member to the Indu Industrial Development Authority. We've given them a appointee on the Comprehensive Plan Committee, also to the Economic Development Task Force. Um, we provide sp special liaisons to the Board of Education. I try to attend as many meetings as I can. And we've also had meetings two by two. Um, to me, really the only way to, to better that relationship is to have uh, full five on five uh, uh, give and take conversations with each board. And, and we've asked for that. Um, it's, uh, there's, there's nothing we can't overcome here in Oconee County and, and we're very blessed. And we'll continue to uh, keep that avenue of communication open and keep moving towards challenges and, and facing them head on. Johnny Pritchett. Uh, I, when I was on the board in 1989, when the Civic Center was built, we worked out an agreement with the Board of Education to build the Civic Center on school property. And they would use it at no cost. And they had priority. You know, after all, the money is coming from the citizens to operate both our governments. And uh, I will do everything I can to have meetings with the school board to resolve any issues that may be there. I'm a firm believer in working with and uh, having things that benefit the whole uh, citizens, whether it be repair the roads, or our education system, we need to work together. Johnny Pritchett, thank you. Uh, Carol Bennett. Yes, thank you for this opportunity. It is unfortunate that two governmental agencies can't communicate effectively and, and simply refuse to foster a partnership through positive relationships. It breaks my heart that that the broken relationships, the inability to communicate, has even landed in the newspaper so that our whole community sees the, the lack of communication skills from our, our Oconee County government leaders. We have to be able to communicate effectively. We have to be able to set aside pride, not use positional power to step up and say, ladies and gentlemen, let's work together. We have to be able to call them by name. We have to be able to, to say, this is where we are. This is where I know you are. However, 
how can we get to middle ground? Right. Thank you. Carol Bennett, uh, the next question will go yes. to you and we'll work our way back. All right. Uh, Johnny Pritchett and, and uh, Chairman John Daniel. Uh, if elected, would you support the Second Amendment sanctuary resolution in Oconee County? Yes or no, and a brief explanation uh, for your answer. Wow. In, in speaking with many of the supporters of that, first, that's a resolution. Secondly, it impacts a large number of our community members that have truly demonstrated great interest in this. I have had private conversations and group conversations with many of the people supporting this. Um, Johnny and I have gone to their meetings on Saturday morning and we we I support the their resolution and I am proud that citizens with our community have taken this grassroots movement and said let's do something big let's do this for our county our county is as good as our community and citizen involvement and I am all about encouraging citizen involvement whether it be related to guns whether it be related to serving on a committee whether it be volunteering in schools and thank you uh, Johnny Pritchett okay uh, that's sort of a hard question but I'll, I'm going to answer it uh, I'm a card token. I have a concealed carry permit. I believe in the Second Amendment right. Mm -hmm. uh, I've looked around and I've actually seen the proposed uh, uh, legislation. And I support it. Uh, I think that this is the right move. A lot of counties are doing it. When I first saw it, I didn't know what it was. So when I went to the meeting, I asked for it. I asked to see a copy of it and carried it and read it. I didn't see anything. Uh, it would have protect Oconee County uh, to a certain degree in what I read. So uh, I don't have any problem with that legislation. And Chairman Daniel. Thank you. I and again, the question, uh, the Second uh, Amendment Sanctuary Resolution for yes. Oconee County. I guess I have uh, concerns in general with sanctuary anything, whether it's a, a sanctuary city for immigration, uh, the Constitution is a Constitution, and, and it, it is alive and well in Oconee County. I, I took an oath to, to uphold it and will continue to do so. Uh, resolutions that, that don't carry any weight with local government, uh, don't say we don't or not would never do them, but they're a little bit problematic for me. Uh, as the resolution is written right now, uh, I could not support it. Uh, Johnny Pritchett, we'll toss this first question to you, or this next question to you, okay. I should say. Right. Uh, it, it's an issue that's been out there for a while, and, and there's some degree of resolution, although I don't know how many people are satisfied with it. Uh, regarding 441 and Bishop, uh, what to do about that issue? The bypass has been discussed. Other options have been discussed. What, if anything, needs to be done? You would give me that question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, as Mayor Bishop, uh, I feel that, uh, and that's one reason that I decided to run for chairman. The DOT put it on the back burner, but uh, they tried to three lane through Bishop. They tried to put a little close in truck route, and I have a problem with the two roundabouts at Bishop, but I think they need to go back, and, and I would work with DOT, but they really need to go back and uh, go to a full four-lane bypass 
like as was planned for 25 years. Uh, they may they may uh, shift it a little bit and not come out as far as they did down toward Farmington. They could come out down there at the curve below Bishop and uh, and make it work. And I really feel that that's what they need to do. Uh, Chairman Daniel. Yes. So I, I was involved with uh, Mayor Pritchett going to a, a meeting with the DOT commissioner where we get looked at different alternatives and, and kind of thought we had a direction we were headed in. I'd be more than willing to sit down with the stakeholders, continue that conversation until we find something that, that, that the mayor can support as well as the commission, and we can go together as a group uh, to DLT. But there are a lot of alternatives. There are a lot of uh, issues with, with uh, other property owners. There's also some historic sites through there and some ecological issues that DLT is trying to work around. Uh, but I, I don't think that the bypass around Bishop is dead. It definitely has been postponed, but that's something that will we'll come to reality. Uh, Carol Bennett. Thank you. Probably the greatest issue with, with this Bishop bypass is simply that no one stepped up to be the hero. No one stepped up to be the mediator. No one stepped up to say, come on, everybody together, let's, let's handle this before it begin, it gets negative attention, before it almost becomes a, a county-wide issue. As your next commission chair, my role will be to be that person that steps up, to step in, to be the mediator so that we can bring parties together positively and have proactive conversations to creatively find resolutions and so that people know their input is valuable. I've spoken with homeowners and they felt degraded and overlooked we have to do better. Let me again remind the radio audience, you're listening to us from Town Hall in North High Shows. Lovely building, by the way, about a year old, I understand. Uh, it's a candidates forum put together by the Oconee County Republican Party. We're up on Facebook Live on their Facebook page. Uh, a lot of these questions, I think, submitted in advance by people uh, posing questions to the Oconee County Republican Party through social media, email, otherwise. And several of them deal with uh, the county's uh, park and recreation master plan. So I want to note to our timekeeper Pam Hendricks uh, several variations to this question people seem to be concerned about this let's give everybody two minutes at least to answer this one we'll drill down as much as we can with this and then we'll start with Commission Chairman John Daniel uh, what should happen optimally with this plan the development the updating of this plan Very good. so we do have a, a part master plan has not been updated in, in the last uh, five to ten years I think uh, it's mainly set around Oconee Veterans Park and we still have a lot of items to complete in Veterans Park. Uh, one being the, the tennis, uh, tennis courts that were slated to be added uh, this current splice, but weren't, we didn't have enough collections to get that done. So we have tennis courts to complete. We have an exit issue out on the Highway 53 from the park that needs to be addressed uh, with the next splice as well. And there are a couple other items that we're working on, uh, with, maybe with some private uh, uh, participation on some completing some of the master plan there. Also what's happened uh, since uh, this board took, uh, took office is we purchased uh, 70 acres on the middle Oconee River. There will be a future water sewer, uh, sewer uh, excuse me, a sewer treatment plant. And there's also gonna be enough room on that property to have a 30 acre passive park on the middle Oconee River. So we have an opportunity to tie in with blueways. Also our LAS system out on Rocky Branch Road 
with the upgrade to the Call Creek plant that's on, that will be scheduled sometime in the next uh, 18 months. We'll be free that property up, 245 acres uh, for a park there. So with all these things coming in together, we'll probably be looking at a master plan in the future. Uh, but we do have one in place and we do have a lot of work to do on, on what we have now. Johnny Pritchett. Uh, I was on the board when we purchased where the land where Veterans Park is. Uh, and we had a plan for it. Uh, I'd like to see it completed. Uh, I'm not familiar with the uh, Middle Oconee River Park that they're planning. I will say that uh, I was also on the board that did the LAS system that was supposed to be the latest, greatest thing. And uh, uh, I don't know why it's being done away with at this time to, to make land for a park. Uh, and I mean, I know that was the up and coming way to treat sewage when, when I was on the board, but, or to dispose of it. And I don't understand why that's being done away with. Carol Bennett. Thank you. We go back to a fundamental <laughs> dilemma that's happening in our county. We're excluding the citizens of Oconee County in plans and actions and decisions. Under my leadership, we're bringing citizens back together. What a shame that our recreation department plan hasn't been picked up and reviewed in five years. Our citizens deserve better of us because so many of our community members are at Veterans Park, are wanting their children to get involved, but yet they can't. We do have a lot of property in this county that can be useful. Heritage Park sits empty most of the time. That is area that we can look at and putting some gems up. We need to go to our citizens and say, what do you feel? This plan has been dormant for five years. How would you like now to restore it and bring it back up? But once again, this also leads to another dilemma within our county. Our project management never seems to have an ending. We have had projects like the, the courthouse annex where the second and third floors aren't being completed and there's silence about it. We have property that's purchased, but the county doesn't know. Community members don't know anything about it. So my role is going to be restore those processes. We dismiss employees and say we're going to have a GBI investigation because of a financial fraud, but then we never come back and finish. Our We have to now start finishing all of our projects that we start. Thank Carol you. Bennett, uh, along those same lines, and we'll throw this question to you first and, and work our way back here, uh, some suggestion that the county might be in a position to have, uh, or certainly want, an aquatics facility. Uh, where would you be on that? Uh, some suggesting maybe even a bond referendum to pay for it. I don't know that that's a good use of our county finances now. We are facing a potential economic crisis. 
We are spending money without reason. We are going broke in our county because as the wind blows, we are throwing money at that project. So at this moment, there are plenty of neighborhood pools. There are, there is a, a swimming pool, an aquatic center on Highway 441. We go into Athens, there's the YWCO, there's the YMCA, of course the University of Georgia. At this moment, we need to put our money toward things like pay raises for our county employees who've been told because of COVID we can't really get a pay raise. There's better use of that money right this minute. Right, On uh, down the road, yes. Johnny Pritchett. I agree with Carol on that. We are in some tough times uh, and we don't know how long we're going to be in them. I mean, you know, I've had plenty of time to watch the news. It could be 18 months, it could be a couple of years, and uh, the uh, our tax revenues are going to have to be down i mean i don't i don't you you can go out there to the oconee connector and look at all the buildings that are that uh, the businesses that are closed mm -hmm. so you know i don't know if this is the time to start putting money into uh splash i mean you know projects that splash would pay for because you know, we don't know how this is going to affect. I feel like it's going to affect, and this is my personal opinion, but I feel like it's going to affect us three to four years down the road. And uh, it's just what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to man up and, and look at the budget and make sure we're not wasting money on things. Uh, uh, John Daniel, Chairman Daniel, the question of an aquatics facility. Yeah, at this point in time, I do not support an aquatic center. They're, they're very expensive to build, and also the operations uh, are very expensive. Uh, we do have a lot of community pools that has been mentioned. There's also the opportunity for the YWCO to come out to Oconee County. They've been doing some studies, and hopefully they'll be able to come out and provide us some additional pool space. I, I do think I need to say that, that any comment that says Oconee County is going broke is just not truthful. Uh, you can look at our financial statements. They're all posted online. Uh, we are in very good financial shape. We weathered a 2008 uh, a downturn without laying off a single employee or firing a single employee and came out of that with a strong fund balance as well. Uh, spending the money is, is done the right way. All right, well, let's start there. It's been brought up and alluded to a couple of times. Let's start there and start with you, Chairman Daniel. You're in a position to, to deal with it. You're the man who has the bull with the horns at this moment. Uh, the, the COVID impact on the Oconee County economy, it's being felt statewide and nationally, obviously. Obviously, there's going to be some downturn in revenues. I don't know that we know. I don't know that you know how severe, how extensive. What's your sense of it, and what do you think can be done? Well, right now, we're, we're, we're going, we've had a conservative budgeting process, as, as Carol mentioned, uh, we, we are very systematic in, in uh, providing raises to our employees to make sure we can weather storms like we're, we're coming through, fixing to go through right now. So right now we're anticipating a 5% drop in, in local option sales tax. Uh, tax digest should be strong through this year. Uh, a lot of that won't be affected for two or three years down the road. And a lot of it really depends on how long everything stays down. So th there is an unknown, and we're taking that into consideration as we do, as we look at raises, as we look at new positions, as we prepare our budget. Uh, we'll have built-in stopgap uh, situations. If we if we, if we budget capital, that capital will not be spent for the first six months of the budget cycle. 
Hi, Carol Bennett. Would you please repeat the question? Well, if there was a question in there, I'm not sure. <laughs> but it, 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 your, just your, your sense of, of where the county is going fiscally with this COVID uh, economic downturn and how you might, as commission chair, deal with it. Well, I, I'm going to speak about a, a different area, and that is how is it impacting our, our community members? We know that a huge source of income in Oconee County is the University of Georgia, and they're projecting furloughs. Um, Piedmont and um, St. Mary's also um, are, is a large employer within our county, and they've already done some furloughs and, and some employee alterations. We need to care about our citizens. We have to care about foreclosures. We have to care about how our schools are going to be impacted if we start losing tax dollars due to foreclosures. 2008 should have taught us a lesson about residential foreclosures being, prote being protective of our county funds at a time of uncertainty and making sure that we are seeking alternative sources of funding, not letting grant money slip through our fingers, not letting groups that want to do private fundraising for special projects step away. Thank you. And uh, Mayor Pritchett. Kim, uh, you know, the governor has cut uh, the budgets of government agencies 14 percent. I think this is serious business when he tells them to take and take 14 percent off and uh, I think that we need to be looking, uh, the county does, at how we can trim back. Uh, we don't probably need to be right now uh, looking at another SPLOST referendum uh, and we need to be looking at using our splash that may be coming in now. It is gonna be down, I don't care. Uh, our splash is gonna be down. Our local option sales tax is gonna be down. And I don't believe in putting that shortfall on the taxpayers' backs. I mean, I, I really don't. If I could, a quick moment here to appeal to, to Steve Strickland with the Oconee County Republican Party. If someone could summon the next two candidates, we're going to begin to wind down with these here. The, for the benefit of the audience, uh, there is no audience in with us. I just counted. We have the appropriate 10 people within the, uh, the facility here. The folks who will be speaking shortly are outside, and they'll come in as it is their time to speak. And we'll have another couple of commission candidates and incumbent and a challenger here in a quick moment. But another couple of questions for these folks, Chair. Chairman Daniel and Johnny Pritchett and Carol uh, Bennett, who are uh, challenging him in the election. That is now 29 days away. Uh, talk about county facilities here, uh, county administration building, and some questions raised about the justification for placing a library within that facility. Uh, Chairman Daniel, your take on that? Yes, yeah, so we, we uh, since 2004, uh, the, the SPLOS that was put forth in 2004, there was a money allocated for an administrative or courthouse building uh, expansion and so it's been on the books for since 2004 um, that money was not has not been spent completely yet we've done a, a courthouse a security upgrade and also added some square footage to the building to account for future use um, as far as putting the library and the in the uh, administrative building together we feel like that's a very good use of uh, 
pooling our resources and having a partnership with the library board. Um, if anybody who's a frequent user of the, of the Watkinsville Library knows, um, it's definitely in need of some expansion. And the amount of funds they have will not go and build a building independently without help from the county. So we purchased a piece of property, and our goal is to put both uh, functions within the same, uh, under the same roof at this point in time. And in the future, as Oconee County grows and the library may need additional space or the county may need additional space, they can move to an independent building on that same piece of property. So we feel like it's a good use of resources. Uh, your take on that, Johnny Pritchett? Well, <clears throat> I think I was on the board when the library was built. I don't, and I remember something about you could go up on it. I don't see why we don't expand the library. Uh, and you know, you can't just go out and build new buildings every time you turn around. I, I, I believe that uh, to, in the reuse of buildings, uh, and I'm sort of skeptical about putting the library with a government, ex, uh, government building, sometimes for security purposes. Uh, that's, you know, I, I, I don't believe in going out and just because you're flush uh, building new buildings. Because a lot of times when you build that building and you do it under splost, you've got an increase in uh, uh, budget that, you, that you're going to have, and uh, and uh, you know a splice referendum a lot of times brings on more employees to do the work, and and it's a cost to the county. And at this time, I don't think that's necessary. Carol Bennett, I totally disagree with this this construction idea. Our our community was told in a meeting the end of last year that the reason we needed a new library was for the parking lot. Let's address the parking lot, not the building. Let's look at the process. This library was built, and I was a young child remembering this, from local community members beginning what is now the Oconee Fall Festival and, and raising money for a new library. Wow, and we did it, and it brought our community together. We now, in this process, didn't go to the community. There was just a decision launched in the paper, and suddenly there was a surprise, we're gonna get a new library. At the same time, one point, I think it was 1.9 million came from the state, and money from that was used and so let's let's create this new library but we don't have architectural renderings yet we don't have the the plans for that facility so i'm totally against this all right carol bennett and we'll start with you and we'll go to closing statements now 90 seconds to tell the voters why they should vote for carol bennett wow i have i appreciate this time this evening i'm going to be the chairman that starts restoring. I'm going to restore the financial philosophy of our county to be frugal, to be very detailed, and to use a word that's come up a lot recently, transparent, according to traditional definitions of that word. People need to know that we are good stewards of their money and, and it all needs to be out of the dark and into the light. I'm going to be the person that is going to restore processes. We shouldn't have 
an article in the paper, a chairman, a, a board of commissioners vote, and then go to the people. We need to go to the people. We need to get our community's opinions, and then we need to go forth with processes. We have even failed some processes of, of seeking the right number of bids for the jail, the old jail complex. We, we've got to go back in and restore processes. We also have to restore confidence and the culture of our county government. Our employees are at an all-time um, high of frustration. They feel as if they have no voice. They feel as if they can't speak to to our, our community and stakeholders without securing permission. And I need to restore their confidence. We have a lot of restoring to do in this county. And most importantly, we have to restore relationships. There's no reason that we have a relationship with the Chamber of Commerce, but and at our adversaries with the Board of Education. All right, Carol Bennett, we have to end it there. Uh, I just wanted one more minute. <laughs> uh, quickly, uh, you have a website? I do not, but you okay. follow me on Facebook, okay. Carol for Chair. All right, there you go. Johnny Pritchett, 90 seconds for a closing statement. And no kidding, if somebody can get the next two candidates in here, that'd be great. I want to be a commission chair that has an open office. You can come in and, and talk to I want to be able to, uh, I will be transparent. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll have transparency in the government. I want to start going back and talking and having some, you know, you just don't make the decision on your own. I want to go back to uh, community involvement. I want to go back to boards. Uh, we had, when we built the uh, community center, we had a board, a, a, a group that went around and looked at other community centers. We took their input, and that's what we built when we built the community center. Uh, I want to be a commission chair that uh, looks at, I'm, I'm, I'm a conservative, and I'm fiscally responsible. Uh, I want to make sure that we have a good budget. A matter of fact, one of the things that I will probably do when elected is I want to see a forensic audit to see where everything is at and to make sure that we're going forward in the right direction, especially under the times that we're in. Uh, I want you to be able, I mean, uh, to, to come to meetings and express yourself. Uh, I want you to come to me and express yourself. I will listen. Johnny Pritchett, thank okay. you so much, and good luck on Election Day. And finally, thank Chairman you. John Daniel. Thank you. I'm, I'm John Daniel. It's been, a, it's been a true honor to be your chairman and serve you on the Oconee County Board of Commissioners for the last several years. Um, I, I think we've done a great job as, as this Board of Commissioners, and I do ask for, ask for your vote uh, uh, for, to be returned to the chairman for the second term. Uh, there's a lot of talk about uh, transparency here, and, and we're seeking community engagement. Uh, at high levels uh, with the current commission. We have quarterly town hall meetings where you can come and ask any question that you want to ask and have direct communications with the board of commissioners. Um, also, at every single meeting, you're able to come up and speak on any item that's on the agenda or any item that's not on the agenda. On our website, 
you can sign up. We'll send you an email every time our agenda is published and then when those minutes are published. So the lack of transparency um, comments are, are offline or out of line at this point. Uh, we look at, uh, I mean, one of the candidates saying we don't need SPLOS money, did, uh, but you look at the amount of money that SPLOS sends to roads. Um, we've been very conservative in our budgeting. We've been very strategic in all our actions that we've taken as a Board of Commissioners. Uh, developing a strategic plan in early 2017, and we, we stayed on that plan and have accomplished uh, many items on that and, and started uh, many others. Um, we work logically toward that plan, just to name some of the stuff that has been done uh, under my time as chairman with and the sheriff. Very quickly. <laughs> okay. All right, sorry. Uh, we've increased pay for deputy sheriffs and have a, a, a program in place to reward financially their advanced certifications. Oconee Fire Rescue, we have uh, Station 8 and also Ladder 8 uh, that was purchased well above. I'm sorry. No, no, your time is up, <laughs> and I apologize. Uh, my role as moderator is to try to keep everybody fairly close to in mind here. I do want to thank each of you, the incumbent chair of the Oconee County Commission, John Daniel, Johnny Pritchett, and Carol Bennett on the election ballot, the yearly voting beginning one week from today. Folks, thanks for coming out this evening. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Going to let these folks slide away and sliding in will be two candidates. One is an incumbent, the other is challenger. They are in post one, are seeking post one on the Oconee County Commission. Gentlemen, if you'll come up and, and take seats here at the podium, uh, Mark Thomas, the incumbent in District 1 and his challenger is John Laster. And again, a reminder that we are streaming at WGAURadio.com. You're listening to us on WGAU, or perhaps you're watching us Facebook Live, the Oconee County Republican Party, our host this evening at Town Hall, North High Shoals. Thanks to everybody who pulled this together, including the folks who give us the video and the audio this evening, Esoteric Productions in Watkinsville. Mark Thomas, Chairman or Commissioner Mark Thomas, Post 1 Commissioner, and John Laster. Same general rules here. We'll spend 30 minutes. Uh, we'll toss questions, many questions provided through the Oconee County Republican Party, some that will come from me. Those will be the awkwardly worded questions, the ones that are coming from me this evening. Uh, you'll have one minute to answer those questions, and as you just heard there, 90 seconds by way of a closing statement. We'll spend about 30 minutes with you folks as well. Gentlemen, first of all, thanks for coming out this evening. Uh, first question, uh, and it's a, it's, it can begin with a yes or a no, and then you'll get you to elaborate for about a minute each here. It's a question that's been out there for as long as I can remember regarding Oconee County and its fire services, and, and Commissioner Thomas will toss to you first. Uh, should there be a paid fire department in Oconee County? Thank you for that question. Um, I feel like currently we do not need a, a paid fire department. And um, if you need me to elaborate sure. on that later. Take about a minute and you can now if you'd like to. Okay, sure. Um, one of the things that I think is very impressive is that Oconee County has equal insurance ratings or ISO ratings to all of the paid departments in the area. And if you look at Morgan County, um, they're a 5, 5X. Walton County is a 4, 4X. And Barra County is a 4, 4X. And Clark County is a 2, 2X. Oconee County has just recently achieved a 4, 4X, which is a tremendous milestone. It actually lowers the, the rates of insurance for all of the, the citizens in the community. And I'll just say personally, 
uh, my father and Jim Thaxton started the fire department, and so I have a lot of <laughs> history with that. Good. With uh, John Laster, your take on that question. Yeah, it's a great question. And I have a lot of love for firefighters and volunteer firefighters, and uh, some of my fondest memories were um, doing Boy Scout meetings at, uh, at, at firehouse uh, events and learning CPR. Um, I do think we have a tremendous organization in place here in Oconee County. I think for us to take the next step, though, as a county, we need to look at um, a path to professionalizing that particular workforce. Um, and the reason for that primarily is we need to be able to tell businesses who look to think to come here and invest in the county that we have the ability to protect the assets that they're planning to build. So I don't think that in the current um, circumstances that it's probably a priority for me to to find that in the budget in the next cycle but I think we need to work towards that goal and we also need to continue to find places for that volunteer spirit to be incorporated in the county life and maybe um, bring those folks who are currently involved in firefighting into some other emergency um, services that would be a good spot for them. John Laster uh, and John Laster challenging Mark Thomas to post one on the Oconee County Commission. Uh, the question that came up in our conversation a moment ago with the chairman and his two challengers as we begin to plan to realign county government buildings, the county courthouse, construction of a new administration building. One area of concern and the three candidates earlier addressed this will give you folks a chance to as well and John Laster will start with you. The wisdom or the lack there of placing the library in a county administration building. Where were you on that? As far as uh, putting other resources together, I, I don't have an objection to having libraries and uh, promoting libraries within uh, the community. I think that's still something we got to work on as far as finding the proper role for libraries to play. Um, I'm not... Um, I'm not sure that traditional repository of books is is the way forward, but uh, we we can we need to continue to find ways to incorporate that uh, into our civic life for sure. Uh, Commissioner Thomas. Well, I was part of that decision, or at least in the talking stages of it. I do feel like it, that any time you can uh, consolidate your services, I think that's that's a a win for our community. It's got to make sense, and I think in this case, with the community using the library so many different times uh, for community functions, similar to what we're using this for tonight, for public meetings, for different things that you know the library and the commission chambers could be used for that as well. I think we just need to be good stewards of our tax dollars, and especially during the times that we're in currently, our tax dollars need to be used as conservatively as possible. Yeah, let's go ahead and go there. It's probably where we should have started, uh, Commissioner Thomas, and you're, you're dealing with this now as the Oconee County Commission grapples with a budget, uh, a budget that quite unexpectedly, probably by most people's estimation, is going to take a dramatic turn southward in terms of revenues that you're going to have available. Uh, what do you do by way of, of addressing the, the economic downturn caused by our response to coronavirus? I think that's a great question. We've actually started that process already. Uh, we have asked all of the department heads to take a look at, at each of their expense items 
and see if there's things that they could cut back on. And we've already had, or at least the chairman has had a number of conversations with them about that. And I know our department heads are very concerned about um, the revenue that's going to be coming in. So they're they're trying to be as uh, frugal as they possibly can, especially being a good steward of, of our county tax dollars. John Laster. Could you repeat that question? Probably not, but I'll take a <laughs> shot at it. Uh, it it's, it's a very general open-ended question in terms of how you as a commissioner would, would handle the economic, I don't like to use the word, but I will, crisis brought about by the current coronavirus situation. Right. So that is very broad. I'll just try to be very specific in the focus of, of this campaign is on businesses. So I want to um, support business owners who are feeling the crunch right now. Um, being a small business owner myself, I understand it's extremely tough. Um, I've had employees point out that they can make more, you know, from the stimulus checks than they can coming in to work for me. So. Um, Trying to ma maintain uh, a business in this climate is very difficult, and Oconee County is blessed with a, with a lot of great businesses. I'd like to see us be blessed with, with more. So my focus would be on finding ways we can help our existing business owners grow their businesses within the county, find some way that we can say yes, and counter some of the negative energy that's come around um, business climate in the county and really bring back the people's focus that these these businesses are the engines of growth and they are a way forward and we need to support them um, and that would be a focus of mine. Well, let me go ahead and we'll start there with that and I'll, I'll, I'll give you the first crack at this. In, in terms of, and let, let's pretend just for the sake of the discussion, the coronavirus for a moment doesn't exist or, or talk about a Coney County as it existed before the current pandemic and the economic circumstances we're, we're dealing with now. Oconee County, generally speaking, has a reputation, certainly compared to Athens. Clark County as being quote unquote business friendly uh, and thus lands a lot of businesses that, that might have, some would suggest, gone to the other side of the river. That said, you have a county that does have that reputation. Uh, let me get you to spend a little time on, and we'll give them a couple of minutes each on this one. Uh, how accurate is that uh, reputation and what might Oconee County do moving forward to enhance it. John Lester. Yes, I'll take that. Um, I think that reputation was earned um, over some decades and rightfully so. I think, however, in recent years, we've become less business friendly as the, um, the desires of central planning have become um, to a greater prominence within the life of the county. So one of the things we're losing is the ability of our small businesses to organically grow and move forward and also to attract businesses to the community that we would want to, to be here. So um, I, I think it's very important for our future that we communicate to the world that Oconee County is uh, a great place to be and we welcome folks. Even though our welcome signs are down at our borders, we are still a lovely people and we still love to have people come here who want to do lovely things. And I would certainly encourage that. And to me, those who are seeking a place to grow their business should certainly consider Oconee County um, as a good place to do that. And that would be a focus of my own energy as a part of the commission. I would want to be a part of the team in the county that uh, would spearhead and try to uh, launch more economic growth to bring those businesses here. 
that may already have some contact or presence in the county. We have so many executives who live in the county and drive to the airport and go all over the world. Um, to those folks who may be listening, have you considered attempting to bring a new development from your, for your company here to Oconee? Um, we have so many people who have their heads on their pillows here at night who are influential in these decisions about where company facilities are placed around the world. And to those folks, hey, Oconee County loves you. We need you. We would love to work with you. And we need more of uh, those kind of businesses to come forward and take a look at being here in Oconee. All right, uh, Commissioner Thomas, your response. Uh, Oconee County, friendly to business. What to do to attract more of it? Well, first of all, our family's been in a small business for a number of generations. We started out as a general store on my mother's side and also my father's side of the family. And, and it goes back on my father's side as, as much as six generations, seven generations. My mother's side is about four or five generations. Um, her grandfather was a doctor in the area, so he you know, really felt the pressure back during the depression of, you know, all of the problems that there was with, um, you know, not much money to be able to pay for the services. So I am also a business owner, a small business owner. I have two businesses. I have a restaurant and then I have a contracting business. And so I can tell you that I do feel like Oconee County is a positive place to start a business and to continue a business. And one of the things that we have started down the path with, with the Chamber, is we have formed a partnership between the Oconee County Commission and the Oconee County Chamber. And we had a, a great session where we talked about, where well, we had a, a task force that was committed and so the task force talked about all of the different aspects of the business in the area, what are some of the influences in Oconee County, and came up with a final statement about what is the business that we would like to pursue in Oconee County. And that task force then has uh, been ended, but we're still working with the chamber in their partnership with that. So we are trying to promote business in Oconee County. And the other thing that I, I feel like a lot of people now are having to work from home, just like this evening, we've got a virtual meeting. So we're working on a broadband for the entire county. And so that I think is, is really going to promote business. Go ahead and County. pick up there. That, that's a great point to bring up. So go ahead and, and continue with that, uh, Commissioner Thomas, expanding broadband. I know that's a concern for the legislature, and, 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 but your perspective from the county commission. Yes, sir. Uh, this is one of these areas that it, it's a new, uh, we're, we're plowing new ground. They're all over the whole county, we have issues with broadband, and particularly in the southern part of the county, we have very poor cell service. We have virtually, um, in certain areas, we have no internet. There are also existing subdivisions that do not have um, the access to internet and there's one real close by that recently I think they've started some uh, new activity there but if you are a new uh, owner homeowner in that subdivision you would not have the ability 
to get. Let on me the let me give you let me give you as moderator extra time. You you've done a wonderful job of outlining the problem. Now let's take a minute and talk about a possible solution if you can. Okay, so that's where we came to the idea that we needed a solution. The solution is is that we asked several consultants to give us some ideas, and so we're looking at doing a figure eight along the entire county, and it's going to go from the north to the south, and then we will have a public-private uh, partnership so that we will be able to take the broadband to the house eventually. And we're looking at, at the high-speed internet, doing a fiber backbone, and then we'll take either fiber or copper to the home. John Laster, what do you think of the plan? Well, like a lot of the county plans, I, I think it is rooted in the past more than the future. So I would say what we need is to definitely provide some backbone, but we need that 5G service to be implemented into the areas of the county where there's actual demand for it. My concern with putting um, all this investment into the south part of the county is they, this strategic plan that we hear so much about recently basically locked that area down so you can't even have a, a restaurant that would serve biscuits and coffee in the middle of Farmington. So something like striplings is not even possible there. So I don't know that I want to spend a lot of money for internet for folks that don't want to buy coffee. Um, my experience, those two things kind of go together. We need to focus on the end of the county that has the resources and, and work with the existing broadband corridors that are there and roll that out first, get it done fast, and let those areas develop and the folks in the south part of the county can take their time as they wish to do. All right, uh, final question, and then we'll go to closing statements so if someone could uh, start rounding up the next two candidates. Uh, a question, a word that came up in our conversation with the, the candidates and the incumbent, uh, the commission chairman's race, I'll use it here, a word that was brought up, uh, transparency, and, and the implication that there is a lack of transparency on the Oconee County Commission. Uh, John Laster, uh, you're the challenger here. What's your take on the word transparency? Well, I don't think that there's... A lack of transparency I, I think that people do see what's going on in the government I think what there is is a lack of passion and one of the things that bothered me serving on the Planning Commission was hearing county officials say we can do whatever we want in Oconee County and I just don't think that's the way to run a county I think we should pursue excellence and we should do what the people um, are, it would be in the best interest of the people and those two things should guide us not whatever we want so that I think is the is the thing that um, inspires me the most is I want to get out and and bring that passion and I think a lot of the passion you see in these races is rooted in that attitude that people feel like is is going on in the government so um, transparency yeah I, I think there is transparency but a lot of folks don't like what they see and, and Commissioner Thomas as far as transparency, I do feel like that our current commission has been extremely transparent. We have had multiple town halls where you can come in and ask any question that you like. Your availability to look at the budget is um, open at any time that you would like to see that. We have the information on the screen at our meetings so that you can look at that. We're right in the middle of, of the SPLOST discussions right now we've had multiple sessions with that and so I do feel like that we're very transparent 
and that I know that's one of those keys that somebody says okay you're not very transparent well if you come to our meetings I think you'll feel very transparent as far as the information that's presented closing statements and again uh, we're at the North High Shoals Town Hall this candidates forum this evening put together by the Oconee County Republican Party a brief moment here this is called a legal ID in the radio business I'm obliged to do this once an hour at the top of the hour you're listening on radio 98.7 FM AM 1340 WGAU Athens uh, closing statement 90 seconds John Laster yes um, thank you I'm John Laster candidate for post one commissioner I ask for your vote tonight I want to let you know I support um, businesses in Oconee County I want to see us all um, get back to work um, I know that we've been through a lot of hard times I know the people of this county are very resilient and that's rooted in our past we've been uh, we've come from a place where we were the frontier of the world at one time so our stock is strong here our, our passion runs deep in our roots but that makes us stronger to face these new challenges that we have because we we came from a hearty folk and I um, I want to encourage all the Oconee County citizens listening to take heart there are great things in front of us we've been through some um, difficult times but we are poised to burst out and I want to be part of that energy that's unleashed to help the county get uh, jump-started on some growth and lead to um, better times ahead and I, full disclosure and I, I apologize for not doing this at the outset uh, just by way of full disclosure here John Laster an attorney who has done a, a bit of legal work uh, with and for our family if, if that needed to be said I think it did just by way of, of full disclosure there hope it did not in anyone's estimation shade the questions that were asked this evening with that just by way of full disclosure uh, Mark Thomas and I've eaten at his restaurant so there's that bit of full disclosure <laughs> as well thank you for that and I hope you continue to eat at our restaurant Yes, um, I want to thank each of you for taking time away from your schedules this evening to tune in either virtually or listen to us on the radio <clears throat> why are we here this evening well I can tell you that I think that most of us are here because you care about Oconee County you care about the future of Oconee County and that's why I'm here because I care about Oconee County. I'm a lifelong resident of Oconee County. I've got investments here in Oconee County. I have a, two small businesses here in the county. I have a, a son that is graduating this year from Oconee County High School. Oh, not Oconee High School, but one of the high schools, North Oconee. <laughs> Um, I'm a graduate from Oconee High School and a graduate from the University of Georgia so you might call that homegrown and I won't say that you have to be homegrown to be a part of the Commission but I do feel like that it's nice to have some history behind you when you start making these decisions and look back on some of the the wisdom that our leaders in the past have shared with us and I do feel like that we're here today because of past leadership here in the county. And I do feel like that as far as my qualifications, I have four licenses in the, in the state of Georgia, and I do feel like that my education, my experience, and my qualifications do help 
give me a, a leg up. Right, and Mark Thomas, uh, Commissioner Thomas, we'll have to leave it there. Your time's up. Gentlemen, thanks to both of you. Good luck to both of you on Election Day. Thanks for coming out tonight. Thank you. Again, we will uh, take a brief moment here to change the stage. These two gentlemen will exit, and uh, we will be joined by the two candidates, one of them an incumbent, the other a challenger, the post four seat on the Oconee County Commission. Mark Saxon is the incumbent. Maria Cardell uh, is his opponent. Again, we're coming to you from North High Shoals, uh, the town hall in North High Shoals, beautiful new building here. I had told someone coming out here, it was going to be at the, the town hall in North High Shoals. I've never been, I don't think, and I know I'm right because this building is only a little more than a year old, so a lovely new facility and lovely to be in a place that is uh, such a fine town as North High Shoals. Uh, joined now, as we say, by Post 4 Commissioner Mark Saxon, his opponent Maria Cardell. Folks, thanks for coming out this evening. Uh, the same general rules here. Uh, keep an eye on Pam Hendricks, our timekeeper. She'll show you that sign when you have 15 seconds and she'll show you that sign when it's time to stop talking. And if you keep talking, the outcome's not going to be good. So don't keep, <laughs> no, we'll, we'll be kind of lenient here, but we do want to keep things moving along. And so we'll start and we'll dive right into the questions. You'll have 60 seconds to answer the question. And many of these questions have been asked before. We have spoken, as you just heard, with a couple of folks, uh, one of them an incumbent, another seeking a seat on the commission. Before that, the candidates for uh, the chairmanship of the Oconee County Commission. I'll start with a question. I think it might have even been the first question I posed to them. And Mark Saxon, Commissioner Saxon, will be the first that I posed to you. A lot has been said over the years, and I've been here for long enough now to know this has been a question for a long time. Uh, the relationship, the state of the relationship between the Oconee County Commission and the Oconee County Board of Education. It was uh, 15 years ago I asked that question at a forum, and I forget now even who answered the question, but whoever it was said, well, it's getting better, which stirred a thought in my head. I said, well, if it's getting better, better than what? And better than it has been. Uh, okay, uh, has it improved over those years? What's the state of that relationship now? Why, if it is, is there a soured relationship, and what might we do to improve it? Well, I don't think it's getting better, but that being said, I don't think it's bad. We are two boards dealing with different situations within our organization. We're a county board, they're an education board, they have a job to do, and the way they do it is to be rec uh, to be commended. They are care about the kids, they care about the facilities, they care about the county. We on the other hand have a different job. We care about the county and we care about the kids and we do everything we can to make sure that the boards get, uh, you know, are informed across the board. Um, we, I think it's been blown up a little bit. I do believe it's been blown up a little bit. There's communication between us. Uh, I, I've talked to the board. Um, there's, there's absolutely been meetings. We've had a couple of things that have just right, risen to the forefront that's caused a little bit of a shakeup. And it sounds like we're not getting along 100%, which I don't know that anybody gets along 100%. We on the Board of Commissioners don't get along 100% on everything that we talk about. So it's hard for another board. Well, we may circle back to those couple of things. That, that no you problem. I forgot to look but, over at oh, you. Oh, you're fine. Uh, Maria Caudill, same question. The state of the relationship between the Board of Commissioners and the school board. Yes, they do have two different roles, but their roles intersect. And um, I will tell the uh, listeners and the, uh, and the viewers, uh, I have an education background. Uh, I go to the Oconee County schools on my own time where I have a history presentation. That's decades of research and study, so I give back to them. Oconee County schools, are the top ranked schools in the state. Now, I've gone to some of the uh, Board of Education meetings. 
and some of our representatives have been there. What they're asking for in some of these situations are pretty basic things in business, which I've got over 25 years of public and private sector experience. You have to have budgets. You have to ha know just not just budgets, but expenditures. You have to have uh, bids. You have to have a timeline. I don't think a lot has been asked, but let's all try to get on the same page because ultimately, what's the, what's the results? Our children. All right, let's, let's, let's stay on that because that, again, a lot of people have asked this question over the years and we've had uh, through the course of the day some correspondence from some listeners who want more on this. Uh, and we'll circle back to you, Commissioner Saxon, because you indicated, okay, a couple of things maybe recently or over the years that, that maybe got, oh, I don't know, blown up in the local media or social media. Uh, what things are you thinking of and, and how should these things be resolved moving forward? Well, I mean, obviously the roundabouts come about, uh, or, to or a, to a topic that can be discussed. We had a, pl we, we thought we had a plan that the board of, board of education just didn't agree with, uh, and and that's okay. They have a right to disagree. So we went back to, and we come up with a different plan. But I, I do believe that there's an opportunity for us to talk to the parents more than what we have talked to the parents and get the information to them so that they can be involved in this decision-making process. We've had, I just had a Zoom meeting here recently with some parents and they were on board with making sure that we get together so we can talk this and, and have, a, have a, a logical discussion about what's best for that area, what's going in for the parents and the way they're driving and for the kids. There's no doubt we need to look to take care of the kids and, and their safety is no one importance out there. But we have to think about our officers as well and, keep, and getting them off the streets, very, very important. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, I mean, we like I said, I've been on the board seven and a half years, and I can call that this last year has been the most, uh, you know, it seems like the most stuff has come out over the last year with the BOE and the BOC not agreeing. I think we can get past it. I think we are going to, are going to come together without a shadow of that. Right, Maria Caldell, let's talk about that specific issue, that, that roundabout issue. Uh, your take on that? Well, um, my 25 years of experience in the uh, private and public sector, part of it is in engineering designs, which I'll give full disclosure. I do not do any projects in this uh, county. I never have. I don't have property that I'm going to be flipping in this county. So I'm going to take this, this uh, I hope, honesty to the board. Now, the roundabouts, when I observed the BOE meeting, there were 16, I believe, no, excuse me, 18 different school districts, and how many roundabouts did they have at any of these schools? One. Now, this tells me that you have 16 to 18 uh, Board of Education and school districts that have, they have their engineers on staff. They have through the Department of Education, they're talking about it. I'm not saying they're bad, uh, but it just seems like this, and I see trends in, in engineering designs that come and go. Roundabouts seem to be the one. Ah, I'm stopping because well, go ahead. Pam you want to respond, Mark? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like she's well informed, and I, I get it. She's a very well uh, a trained uh, person when it comes to a lot of different things. I don't know what the situation was as far as the. I don't have land or I don't have anything dealings here. Well, neither do any of the Board of Commissioners when it comes to doing these roundabouts. We're trying to think of the area. We have, to we have to look at the future of the area, and the future of the area says there's going to be a development in that area with the schools. We, as a commission and a BOE, need to think about the safety of the parents and the kids in that area. So we're trying to make it 
we're trying to have a design that's best for the parents and kids for their safety. Because the, the, the development is going to happen. It's already broke ground in that area. If we don't do something, and not to mention there are other places within the area that are going to be building more homes in that area. So the traffic flow is going to get higher and higher. So all we're trying to do is let's all come together and come up with the best plan for the safety of the kids and the parents. Right, let's give Maria Caudill one minute to respond to that, and then we'll move on. I go back to that I think if, if the Board of Commissioners come to the Board of Education and you have a design, you have a timeline, you have a, a, not just a budget, but a solid contract. You have statement of qualifications. If you have all that put together, then parents are gonna know, hey, my kids are gonna be safe. And on the other hand, the taxpayers are gonna know my, my money is spent wisely. All right, let's, let's stay on that transportation theme for a moment, that, that traffic theme for a moment. Uh, what should happen, and we'll start with you, Maria Caudill, what should happen, uh, if anything, to 441 through or around Bishop? That has been under discussion, it seems like, forever. Uh, and I, I think that probably uh, we're going to have to go back to the drawing board again. The people of Bishop may not want to hear that. But again, and I think Mark will probably agree with me, we got to get both, both folks together, all of them together, balance this. Uh, because in the long run, when you have more building down there, it becomes more complicated to put in any kind of roads. So, um, but at this time, with uh, the dwindling budgets, uh, our state knows we, they have one billion uh, of revenue that's not coming in. It may tap out as much as four. We're probably going to have to see what the legislature is going to do about this before we then come back to our area of vote of bishop. But um, it, it's a complicated, and then it gets into the rest of the infrastructure. And, so, and we'll get to those dwindling budgets in a moment. But, but Commissioner Saxon, Maria Cardell makes, makes a point here. Uh, the DOT ultimately will decide what happens to 441 through Bishop again, if anything does. But it would be helpful, I would think, for the DOT, if, if the people in Bishop, if the Oconee County Commission, if there was something close to a consensus as to what to do. Uh, is there, and how might you approach one? I do not disagree with Maria at all that it would be great if we could get everybody back to the table, if the DOT will come back to the table right now. They've, you know, from what, you know, they've postponed it, and we know budgeting is going to be an issue in the future. But she is absolutely right when it comes to the fact that we need to get them back together on, at, to the table and have everyone discuss it. It is something that's probably the state of Georgia wants to have done. You can see it all through 441 that they're doing the route, the, the, uh, bypasses around these little small cities and and sooner or later they're going to want to compete complete that one in bishop no question about it i just hope that we can all get together and come up with a, a logical safe plan for everybody involved i'll start with you on this one commissioner mark saxon uh, again you have a front row seat for this at the moment this issue of the budget and the dwindling budgets uh maria caudell mentioned at least a billion dollars probably more uh in terms of lost state revenue and, and proportionally the county will, will feel that same kind of an impact what do you do well we are we're going to the drop back to drawing board on some of it we're already talking it through and seeing how we can uh, change things here or there. Uh, we don't have a plan for anything right now because we don't know how much we're going to be affected. We just don't know how much we're going to be affected. We know we're going to be affected. Uh, luckily, Oconee County has positioned herself financially to prepare for something like this. We have a, 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 a generous general fund that we can 
fall back on because we planned well over the, in, in the past. So we have our budget to fall back on, but we still are going to have to make concessions somewhere. We just don't know where yet, not having any type of revenue uh, projections because it's hard to project what you just don't know about. And we just don't know how that's going to turn out. But luckily, like I said, Oklahoma County has put themselves financially in a great position over the over the past years, uh, we are sound, and we've been sound for a while. And so I think we will get through this pretty uh, safely. I think we'll get through it safely. But until we get those revenue um, numbers, we won't know exactly. Uh, Maria Caldell, I asked Commissioner Saxon what he will do. I will ask you what you would do were you elected to the Oconee County Commission. Uh, I have a, a future-ready approach. And if you go and read what economists are telling us, actually, our county is got uh, we can use the technology if we would bring that into this area it is a type of of jobs that we can look to these students that are graduating I, it it makes my heart hurt every graduation i'm not able to look at them and say i'm going to provide you after possible education or through our technology or future ready jobs we have to do that and that fund balance is that looks great i know what my fund balance is but i've got to think about the future and i think these are things that we have to bring there that's that's a positive economic development it's not an impact where we're going to have smokestacks and it's not where we're saying we're going to mow down every piece of grass and put houses on an eighth of an acre we're, if we do that smartly then I think we'll find that we'll be able to look to the future. Um, and I'll get another, if we get a little sure. more on this economic development, I have something on well, technology. Pick up and go with it then, because okay. this is obviously going to be a major concern here. Um, There's some talk about the next blast, if you want to get to that. Um, I am the chair of the Planning Commission. I have been for just a year. Uh, but this is where you do listen to people. I love my colleagues. We all come from different areas. I'm looking at one of my colleagues right now. I want to know what the town say. I want to know what the, what the county says. But then we had a, a rezone in which we had the comp plan says, this is for technology. The citizens that are on that planning commission said, yes, this is what we're invested in. We go to the board of commissioners and we lost it. Now we can't get that back. We might plan it someplace else. I've also seen uh, people that are uh, on the IDA board where we had uh, a past economic development uh, director come in and had where you were going to bring things from the university and Technology Park. What? I mean, this is great. We've been trying to get this going. All right, let and me get uh, Commissioner Saxon to, to address that. What, what happened? Well, I'm not exactly sure what she's speaking of as far as what, what piece of property she's talking about. Uh, and the way, she, the way she expressed it is though it was, it was her project coming to the board. And I, and I guess I have to have her explain a little bit more about the detail of which project she's talking about. If you don't mind. It, it was a rezone. And uh, that we did not want, the board did not want to have it rezoned uh, because it was actually in the comp plan where you had a technology area and it was going to be for a gas station. If I've got to look at students and say, do I want a gas station 
or do I want you to think you've got a place you're going to be able to have a career? And that's the decision that, that our whole board has to address. Are we talking about Highway 78? Yes. Okay. Right. So you're talking about something that the board approved. And, you know, not, I'm not wanting to throw anybody on the bus here, but I, I, would, I went with the Planning Commission on that vote. I voted against that, if you, if you remember correctly. Yeah, and you live in that area. And I live in that area. <laughs> but you're talking about it being, I, it you're talking about to it being be. approved, but I voted against it. But it doesn't have to be in my backyard. But are we just... It doesn't have to be in my backyard for me to uh, go against it or approve yeah, it. Yeah, but we're here debating for me and you. You're talking, yeah, about a plan, uh, you're talking about a plan that was approved by the board. And when the board approves something, all of us get on board with what, what, what happened because that's what has to happen. When the vote's done, it's over with. But what you're saying is it shouldn't have been approved. I did not vote for that. that. Now, that being said, I will move forward with making it a better area, and it will come in there. Now, there's a, there's a gas station already there. Is what you're, that, that's true. That's, that's true, Mark. But I was saying here is a missed opportunity. Do we want but to? I can't speak for the whole board. It, sir. You brought, up an, you brought up an item that I voted with you on. Sir, I am saying that I have enough uh, political fortitude that I will look down that table and say to them, and I have on the planning commission, our schools come first, our neighborhoods come first, our future comes first. I am not going to just roll over with everybody else on there unless it's in my backyard. I will not do that. I am going to be a uh, different final word on that, Commissioner Saxon, then we have to move on. Uh, I, I just I don't know what she's getting to as far as why. I, I understand that zoning sometimes goes a different route than the Planning Commission wants it to go or we go a different route than what they went. It just happens. That's the way it happened. There's a, it's a citizen committee that brings us information and we go see and we watch them when they do their meetings. I watch every one of them online and I think they do a great job. But we can't always agree on everything and we know that. That's why there's a vote. When they have a vote, it's a split vote sometimes and when it's not, it's unanimous sometimes. In this particular case, you're speaking about a vote that I voted with you on, but you brought it up as a problem running against me for. Uh, yes, and, and I'm sorry, we're gonna, we, I think we understand where everybody is on that. Let's move on here. Uh, another question, this one came in several forms uh, by listeners and folks uh, dealing with the Oconee County Republican Party through their Facebook page. Just generally speaking, very broadly speaking, and Maria Condell will start with you first. The, the master plan for parks and recreation, what should happen with this? Uh, it's been out there for many, many years. Uh, I know that my opponent, when uh, he... Uh, 17 years to be precise, mm -hmm. is my understanding. Uh, when he said he was 17 years, uh, a lot of these things were already in place before Mr. Saxon came on the board. So I, I, you know, I know that he will say, I have accomplished this, but that's not necessarily what's happened. The taxpayers have accomplished this. The taxpayers have paid for this and we followed through with it. Now, I think that this pandemic has made it where people have a different look at recreation. I think we also need to think about that. Uh, the LAS, they want to transfer that over into a park, but I would cautious them, caution them because there's some environmental concerns you're going to have to go through before you decide you're going to put a park in. These are things that have to be in place before we can say, hey, we've got a park already on line, uh, land that we have. Uh, it appears that more and more people are going to our parks. Ah, I'll stop. Commissioner Saxon. 
I will say that I absolutely know that I am a I am one piece of this pie for the entire county. I am someone who loves doing what I do. Uh, that and and to be a part of it and to be a part of what the citizens vote on to make happen in the county is very important. Yes, Splosh is voted on by the citizens, and it's my job as a county commissioner to make sure we implement that phased stuff in when it comes to parks, fire, police, or whatever when it comes to Splosh. I'm extremely thankful for the fact that we do get our Splosh approved and that hope that we can do it again. But as far as taking credit for it, I do not take credit for it. It's just a, it's a vote that I have to make, and I am very appreciative of the fact that I have the opportunity to do that. I agree that, yes, we will have environmental things that we will need to look at when we turn the LAS in. Speaking of the master plan, I know that's what the question sure. was. The question was the master plan. Uh, the master plan, I know that we are 17, out of, out of, 17 years out of date. We hadn't had it in 17 years. Uh, uh, in 2018, we had a reserve, uh, we had a, a policy, put, not a policy, but a reserve study done where we spent $20,000 on making sure that we maintained what we have currently in place. We are currently still working on our parks and recs, and we are, and, and we are, and we need to make sure that in the future, the near future, we engage our citizens on, on making a master plan happen for the entire county. We need to get there. I know we need to get there. And right now, we have the reserve study that was done, and we're trying to make sure that we maintain the fields properly until we can get to that master plan. I know it was in the past; it was there, but we we definitely need to make sure it is in the near future for planning. Uh, should there be, and is this the time? And if not, maybe later. Is there time for a discussion about an aquatic center? Some people expressing an interest in having one of those, uh, Commissioner Saxon. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think we need to have a discussion about it. I mean. Yeah, Get everybody involved. We know that we've got a community, a community a county where there's a lot of community pools that we have people that, that are, are self-controlling those pools. We know we have that. We know we have another center of this private. We, we need to look at it. We need to bring everybody together and look at what it would cost, where we would put it, how we would um, um, use it, and, and, and once again, collaborate with the BOE because it would be an important important piece of the pie for the B for the both schools to have swimming place to, to, to learn for their swimming teams. Not Maria Connell. It's an expensive endeavor. It's a couple of million dollars at least and then uh, at, uh, then the overhead of taking care of it and the maintenance is, is incredibly expensive. So um, especially at these times when one out of three Georgians are out of work and we're not real sure again we're going to go back to the budget. We've got to think we don't have a, uh, uh, we don't know what's going to happen 10 years from now. We have to be very cautious when we move forward on some of these things. But uh, it, it may be something that, um, like Mark stating, you have a process. And that goes back to transparency. That's bringing people to boards. That's bringing citizens to the boards. Not, not taking citizens' advisory boards off the table, but bringing them in. And I've also proposed a, a countywide comprehensive, <coughs> comprehensive citizens' advisory board, much like the BOE does once a year, bringing parents, teachers, even just citizens in the county to talk about where they need to go with their board of education. We maybe need to do that, not just a town hall, but people coming together at uh, hundreds of people and putting on the table what we want. Our final question, and then we'll get to closing statements from the two of you again, 60 seconds to answer here. Does Oconee County need, is this the time to begin to think about a paid <coughs> fire department, Don Maria Connell? Uh, that depends upon uh, how 316 develops. Uh, I think that our volunteer firefighters 
Um, we have, they're heroes. Those men and women are heroes. We know that. Uh, it's probably a five to ten million dollar investment if you went with a uh, paid fire department. There's been talk that about this over the years. I think those that have expertise in that area have even talked about one part of the county we will retain the volunteer fire department and then you may have to if uh, 316 becomes so very commercial and that that has to do with your insurance laws things of that nature uh, and will people come to build uh, we can't have buildings that are over so many stories because that that means a different type of ladder on the fire truck a lot of factors go in there so it's it's a it's a work in progress Commissioner Saxon I do agree with Maria on the fact that it that, that it is a working process and it's something that will come when it when it comes. There's no doubt about it. We will see the need and we have we've had discussions about it. But that being said, I will say we have the number one fire department in the state of Georgia when it comes to volunteerism. We are a four by four X, which is the highest rating they can get. Uh, they are an outstanding fire department. And yes, if we saw the need, we would probably be talking about it more. But right now, with it, with the fire department we have, there's not much need talking about it because they are doing such an outstanding job at all times. All right, 90 seconds for a closing statement. Maria Caudell, first to you. Well, I think we've gone over a lot of, of our backgrounds, both of us. Again, I'll reiterate, uh, I give you 25 years of work experience in the public and private sector, administrative management, uh, with projects over $50 million. So the budget or any of the projects coming forward are not going to be, I'm not going to be overwhelmed by them. Uh, the process, bid process, uh, the financing of it, uh, I will understand. The due diligence, I will understand. Uh, I have also um, 12 years of experience uh, on various uh, Oconee County government boards, the Planning Commission, the Land Use and Transportation Planning Board, Animal Services and the Oconee County Comprehensive Planning Commission and at every single one of those boards we have had to come up with either ordinances or unified development codes so I've been charged with developing things within our county that, that go to the commissioners for review and approval so I feel like I've been tested and certainly I was tested when my husband was overseas uh, in Afghanistan um, with the Corps of Engineers and I ran our business by myself. So uh, I, I can take on a lot of challenges. Um, I have had to work with a lot of different clients, customers, peoples, boards, and you find out the best and you move forward. Um, I ask you for your vote. I will listen to you. I will fight for you. I will protect your tax dollars and I will plan for our future. All right, Maria Caudell, thank you very much. Commissioner Saxon, 90 seconds for a closing statement. First, I want to thank everybody for being a part of this tonight. Uh, uh, um, you know, the viewers, the listeners, Maria, thank you very much. Uh, I, you know, I've been doing this for seven and a half years. I think, my, I think that our record speaks for itself when it comes to what we've accomplished in the last four years, whether it's building a new firehouse or buying wastewater land. Managing budgets is not a problem now. We, I, it, it, it was a trying period when I first got started, but I think I've got my feet good and wet now. I think that we are doing a, a, a good job in Oconee County and managing the money and making sure that the money is spent in a wise 
way that the citizens of Oconee County can take advantage of, whether it's uh, new parks and recreation facilities, whether it's uh, um, other things we've done, new visitor bureau established. We've done a lot of other things and good things that we're doing, working forward to. I appreciate everybody that's voted for me in the past. I, I, I ask for your vote once again. Uh, I am Mark Saxon, for those that don't know me that are watching tonight, and I do appreciate everything that the citizens of Oconee County have, have uh, taught me over the last seven and a half years. I appreciate um, the fact that um, you show up at the meetings, you show up at the town halls, and you give us your input, and we listen to you, and I thank you for that, and I hope that you continue to show up at the town halls, come to all the meetings, and please give us your input because we do listen. We encourage you to make sure that you get out there and talk to everybody, and, and if there's anything you need, just please let us know, and we will work at, uh, at finishing the project. Thank you very Mark much. Jackson and Maria Condell. Best of luck to both of you on Election Day. Thanks Thank for you. coming out tonight. Thank you. Again, to the uh, radio audience and to the audience that's watching on the various Facebook Live platforms, uh, we are coming to you from North High Shoals, Town Hall in North High Shoals, and you are watching and listening for that matter, courtesy of esoteric in watkinsville uh, production facility in watkinsville giving us i've been watching the feed on my own phone here it's outstanding uh, quality and good work that they are doing in bringing us this event tonight the county county republican party organizing this thanks to them uh, yet to come this evening still to come this evening candidates for sheriff and probate judge in oconee county and those are open seats a total of five candidates uh, seeking those seats uh, we have with us now and i uh, regret to say that we are joined by only one of the candidates for a seat, an open seat on the Oconee County School Board. I've just learned just moments ago that Adam Spence, something of a family situation he has to address. We will pray that that works out well. We are joined now by Michael Ransom, and we'll spend some time with him. Michael Thank Ransom, a, a candidate for post five on the Oconee County Board of Education. And you and I will just chat for about 20 minutes here. And, and so thank you for joining us this evening. Why? Why do you want to be on the school board? Uh, well, I just want to be involved in community in any any way that I can um, put my services to work in the community and, and benefit the community is really just my goal. Um, part of Rotary Club now, and if anybody's been in Rotary Club knows the Rotary Club motto is service above self. And when we moved to Oconee County four years ago, from where we we lived in Monroe for ten years. Uh, prior to that, I lived in New Hampshire. I was in the Navy for six years, um, all up and down the East Coast, and. My wife got a job teaching in Rockdale County um, in 06, and we moved back to Georgia. My goal was to go to the University of Georgia, and Monroe just happened to be a, a good middle ground for her to teach in Rockdale and me to go to the University of Georgia. But while we were living in Monroe, uh, we, we slept in Monroe, but we did everything else outside of Monroe. So she taught in Rockdale County. Um, we went to church here in Oconee. Our doctors were here in Oconee, but like I said, we daycare was in Loganville, but we you know, really weren't part of the community there. So I told her when we moved over to Oconee County, our, our main goal was just to be all in. And if we were going to live here, we we're going to be part of the community and make a difference. And that's that's really the goal. Okay. Uh, any number of avenues you might have chosen. We just spoke with folks who are running for seats on the county commission. You could have done that. You could have run for something else. Why specifically did you choose the Board of Education? Well, I think the Board of Education, especially in a county that's growing like Oconee, uh, is, is a great way to get involved because it's such a vital role. One... Um, you know, we're, we're a developing county, so that, that's an interesting part of it. I've got three girls in the school system, and my wife's an educator in the school system. So I really want to be involved in, in their lives and her life, uh, making sure that what the people that came before me have already done. I want, I want to 
continue that tradition and, and see it grow and thrive. All right, from that perspective, father of three daughters, how old, by the way? I've got twins that are in the fourth grade, uh, about to head to the fifth. And, and where, I'm, which school? At High Shoals Elementary. Okay. Uh, we're, we're actually districted for Colin Ferry. Uh, we live off McCree Gen, but my wife teaches at High Shoals, so okay. they go to school with her. And my oldest daughter's in the seventh grade at Oconee Middle. All right. Now, th there is a reputation. Uh, Oconee County has an outstanding reputation in terms of what it's able to accomplish academically with its schools. You're a parent of students in those schools. Your wife is an educator. Uh, your assessment of that reputation, accurate or does it need work? Uh, well, both. Well, it's, it's accurate. It's definitely accurate. It's a great school system, top in the state, uh, but there's always room for improvement, and that doesn't mean that there's something going wrong, but if you don't if you don't adapt and innovate, then you're not growing and going forward. And you always need to be pushing and growing forward if you if you want to get better. So there's always opportunity to make yourself better. And I think uh, the current administration has really pushed that. Um, I think, you know, don't get wrapped up in the test scores. Test scores are great, and that's a good metric to measure things by. But I think overall what you have to say is great about this county is just the success and the work ethic of the students. And I think that's something that's really instilled by teachers and the current administration is is work ethic and uh, that'll carry on through life because you know grades are just going to get you through school and into college but where it really boils down is when you get that job and those employers want to see that work ethic and, and that um, you know it gets instilled at this level. Uh, in terms of facilities, uh, you've had a chance, I suppose, to assess, and as a board member, you would be dealing actively with facilities. Uh, what needs work? What what might be we looking at uh, down the road of the third high school, other school facilities? What might be the future of facilities? Well, I definitely think a new high school is is on order. Uh, if we're going to keep the school systems small and and kind of this close knit community that goes on in Oconee County. You're going to have to build a new high school if you want to keep the population under 1,500 students per school. Um, so that, that I think it's probably coming, but I think they've done a good job of adding turf fields on the athletic facilities because that, that really pays for itself in the first year or two because there's so many sports now that are taking place on the turf fields that a natural grass field just couldn't keep up with that amount of activity. There's probably five or six uh, different sports throughout the year that take place, and that's not including stuff coming from the rec department. So. Thank you. You save a lot of money on maintenance, uh, lawn care, watering, fertilization, irrigation, all that stuff. So I think that's great. And I think um, we've already got great facilities and there'll probably be more to come down the road in the very short future. I'm pretty sure. Right, Michael Ransom again with us. And, and the only candidate for this portion of the conversation this evening with us is, is opponent in this race, Board 5, uh, Post 5 on the Oconee County Board of Education, a family situation Adam Spence has had to address. So we're spending just a few minutes here chatting with Michael Ransom. A question I always love to ask. I've been talking with people running for school board for 30 years now. I love to ask this question. Uh, if and certainly in this climate, this is this is not even a good hypothetical, but but I, I like to introduce it anyway. If money were no object when it comes to education, we all know budgets in the best of times, and these aren't the best of times, budgets uh, constrain us as well they should. But if money were no object, what would you do uh, in terms of enhancing education? Uh, well, I think hands-on experiences are great. I learn better through putting my hands on things and learning real time. So I think you have to have a balance of traditional methods and technology. Technology allows teachers to kind of tailor that specific lesson to each student and, and meet them where they are. But I, I think you can't neglect the traditional learning. Um, if that means going outside and touching a tree or looking at a flower or something like that, I think we need to include that and not just get caught up on teaching to a test. I think sometimes uh, in today's world, we, we get super focused on 
meeting this metric and that metric that we neglect some of that traditional stuff. So if money was no object, I think uh, I'd like to have a little more hands-on experience for the kids and, and just not feel so pressured to hit that particular test score. The, the flip side of that coin, uh, give me something that will improve our schools that doesn't cost a nickel. Just hiring great people. Uh, I mean, these are the people that are spending as much time with your kids as you are, maybe even more in some cases. So I think it all comes down to just make sure the people that we hire in the, the teaching roles and the administrative roles are there for our kids and that they're doing a great job of, of growing that relationship with the kids. If your wife was here, I, I would prefer to ask her this question, but but I'm dealing with you at the moment. Uh, she has had to teach, and, and I guess still is to some extent, yes. with the, the, the spring semester winding down sure. in the Oconee County School System. Obviously, the changes since the middle of March, the virtual <laughs> learning. Uh, you hear the stories. What's that been like? Uh, you have these kids at home now. What has that been like? And, and by way of asking a question, a policy question here, what might we be learning now that we will apply moving forward post-COVID pandemic? Well, I, th I think it's, um, it's almost how you learn in college where, you know, you might be given an assignment. I know my oldest daughter that's in middle school is given an assignment and then they kind of learn on their own and teach themselves to some degree. So I think that's really getting applied now to the lower grades. I know that my fourth graders um, are pretty independent and they've done a good job of kind of teaching themselves and learning through some of the lessons. We'll help them out where they need help, but I, I think Oconee was well prepared uh, for this to happen. There was a snow day last year that they took advantage and did an online learning, distance learning. Um, once the national agency that they use, it's learning, uh, got prepared for everybody to be at home and signing on at one time, I think it's really been a fairly smooth transition. Now, does that mean I want to do this all year, every year? I don't think so, but it's, it's been a nice change of pace. Uh, I'm ready to get back to in-classroom learning, but I think that we'll still transition some of that independent learning going forward. And finally, we'll close with a question that we've asked uh, the folks who are running for county commission, some of the folks who are on the county commission. Now, again, you, you have been here all of four years. I don't know how much of this you've heard about or maybe even witnessed, but uh, the, the state of relations between the Oconee County Commission and the Oconee County School Board has been a discussion point for as long as I've been here, and that's 20 plus years now. Mm -hmm. what, what do you make of it? Well, I think it's just probably some miscommunication. I think uh, both groups work well together. Um, maybe the public doesn't see some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily as good as the newspaper headlines would like it to be because if there's no drama there, it's not worth reading. But I think that um, both groups do a good job of, of doing their role. The Board of Education's role is to educate students. The Board of Commissioners is to deal with county uh, development and things like that but you know obviously the school board is part of that because they're going to bring in development and that's going to go forward so uh, I think they just need to maybe do a little bit better job of communicating with each other and then showing that communication to the public. And finally we'll let you go on this one and if someone could summon our, our candidates for sheriff we'll be ready to roll into the next portion of our evening here. Michael Ransom candidate for post five on the Oconee County Board of Education uh, and by way of discussing resume I, I heard the word Navy in there someplace what else? I, I was I grew up on a farm and then uh, oh, where? in Yenadilla, Georgia, about okay. an hour south of Macon. I know it uh, well, yeah. And my wife's from Cordill, so we, okay. we went to high school together, and we've been together for almost 20 years, so, or a little over 20 years, actually. So uh, after the Navy, I came straight into this area, worked in landscaping for six months until my oldest daughter was born, and then I started college uh, shortly after she was born. Since then, I've been in consulting forestry. Uh, we work a lot in the area with landowners. We help them manage their property. We also work with Clark County. 
Uh, we help open some of their green spaces and do invasive species removal there. So uh, I say forestry consultant, but pretty much anything environmental or natural resources related. All right, Michael Ransom, uh, best of luck. Again, uh, running for a seat on the Oconee County Board of Education, and our best to also Adam Spence, who's unable to be, actually was here and had to leave some situation with his family. We will hope for the best outcome there, and we'll hope that both of you do well on Election Day. Thanks so much for being with us this evening. Thank you. Thank you for taking time. Again, we're at North High Shoals Town Hall Candidates Forum this evening, put together by the folks on the Oconee County Republican Party. Uh, joined now by the two candidates, to one of whom will replace Scott Strickland, as or Scott uh, Scott Barry, I should say, Scott as the sheriff in Oconee County. Uh, one of them is his captain, James Hale. The other, a former police chief, the University of Georgia Police Department, Jimmy Williamson. Jimmy Williamson, do my immediate right, and James Hale. There, gentlemen, thanks for being with us this evening. Again, the general rules that will apply, as perhaps you have heard through the course of the evening. Keep an eye on Pam. She is our timekeeper. She'll show you when you have 15 seconds, and then she'll tell you when to stop. The questions generally, unless I make an executive decision as moderator, generally you'll have 60 seconds to answer each of these questions. We'll give you at the end of about 30 minutes of our conversation here will give you time for a 90-second closing statement. I want to start with a headline I read this morning uh, somewhere along the way. I forget even where I saw this, but it dealt with deputies on the road and the positions that the two of you have about putting deputies on the road, their role on the road. Uh, Captain James Hale, we'll start with you first. What, what are we talking about here? So if I understand correctly, it's probably the, uh, the article about the the uh, forum that we did for the Oconee Enterprise last week uh, pertaining to the deputies directed traffic in the school zone area. Yes. Yes, sir. Okay, where are you on that? I, I mean, I'm, we're going to have deputies at the schools. I mean, there's just, we're going to, if the schools ask for us to have deputies there, the deputies are going to direct traffic. It's something that the parents have grown accustomed to. It's something that we we do on a regular basis, but it's a danger. It's a hazard for our deputies being there. Of course, we've already had one deputy hit in a school zone. We had one directing traffic for another detail. Uh, so if we can come up with some sort of technology, some sort of infrastructure that can get those deputies out of the road, I'm for it. But I just don't think it's going to happen everywhere. I mean, it's going to be something that we're going to have to, you know, deal with. But again, I think that's a school board issue and it's a, you know, county commissioner issue that they're going to have to deal with that. All right, Jimmy Williamson. Yeah, I'd have to echo. I think, you know, right now it's unfortunate that we're even having to be asked this question. I, I hope the school board and the, uh, can do the things they need to do for the school and, the, and, and then the uh, commission deals with the roads and they can figure out something and work together. The reality is uh, we're in a service uh, providing some public safety services to the community. And if the school feels that uh, for it to be safer for traffic flow and uh, to make it more efficient, we'll put deputies out there. The reality is, like I've said before, I've got to be open to anything that makes the deputies safer, whether it's in the roads, if it's in the courthouse and the jails, I'm not going to turn away from any technology or any design or any improvement that would make them safer. It's just, that just doesn't make sense. Uh, in terms of those deputies, and somebody educate me here, uh, Captain Hill, perhaps, you know, how many deputies at the moment in the Oconee County Sheriff's Office? How many total? We, yes. have, we have 62 sworn. Uh, there's 96 total employees. Uh, a question, that, and we spoke with Jimmy Williamson on the radio this morning, and I'll give you a chance to answer this. Uh, it, it, the difference between being a law enforcement officer, a cop, for lack of a better way to say it, and the difference between being an administrator, what's a sheriff? Sheriff, I believe, is an is a administrator, obviously, but he, he's the elected official that pretty much, you know, handles the the jail he handles the court security he handles the civil processes uh evictions uh five phase 
all of those things that the uh, sheriff's office does that you know most other law or none of the other law enforcement for that matter deals with it's just the sheriff deals with that and jimmy williamson how do you balance all those you know you provide services bottom line whether it's serving papers or or running the jails, you know, it's just like any other service that's being provided with a business. We're in the law enforcement business, and every law enforcement agency provides a little different service. But you have to understand how to run those services, uh, dealing with budget, employment uh, issues, uh, you know, unfortunately progressive, making sure policies and procedures are up to date, working on things to make sure you're certified or credit so you're at the top of your game and you're not just kind of going by and do what the, everybody else does. You know, you have to be a leader that's cutting edge, trying to find ways to make your organization better so you can provide better services. And it ought to be demanded by the taxpayers. They pay a lot of taxes in the county, so they deserve a lot. Again, Jimmy Williamson and James Hill, Captain James Hill, candidates for sheriff in Oconee County in an election that uh, actually early voting begins a week from today, the election itself on June 9th. I think that's like 29 days from today. I haven't asked this of any of the other candidates this evening, but I want to get you guys on this. Uh, this is a somewhat rare opportunity for everybody involved tonight, a chance to be out among actual people. What is it like <laughs> to campaign in this COVID climate, Jimmy Williamson? Well, you know, it's been difficult. I mean, the reality is we're not being able to meet. The night's the first night I've actually had face-to-face -face conversation with other adults other than my family members. So it was fun to be out there talking to everybody. But the reality is, you know, meeting with people, hearing what their concerns are, you know, trying to ask them, please vote for me. I mean, uh, fundraisers and, you know, meet and greets that we've had, we've had to cancel. So every, even these opportunities have been canceled in the past. So we're fortunate to be here tonight. It's, it's just a much different world in every aspect, even in the campaigning aspect. Uh, James Hale. Uh, same thing. I mean, we, we it's hard to even get out signs. I mean, people will call you and tell you that they want to sign and you just go and mysteriously drop one off in their driveway and, and uh, move on to the next one. Uh, but being able to get out and talk to people and see people that you haven't seen in a while and to, again to ask for their vote. Um, just to get FaceTime with them is very difficult in these times and something you just have to come up with creative ways to get with people. Well, that said, and we'll start with you, James. Hey, uh, you, 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 there's social media, there's emails, there's texts, there are phone calls. There are things that you can do and you are hearing from people, I, I'm sure. What are they, what are they concerned about? So, I, you know, as far as the people that I've talked to, I mean, the biggest thing is that they, you know, they just want to, they like things the way they are. They like the level of service that they're getting. They, of course, know that it'll change a little bit, but they want to, you know, they want to have the same level of service that they're currently used to. Is that what you're hearing, Jimmy Williams? Uh, you know, I think there are definitely people happy with the sheriff's office, and there are, there is that group of people that would like for nothing to change, and I understand that, but reality is things are changing every day. I, and it's just time after 30 years to have a fresh set of eyes to take a look at the law enforcement operations and the services provided by the sheriff's office and look away to prove it. Business does it every day. Why wouldn't we do it in the law enforcement uh, area? We, we've got to look ways to improve and, and fresh eyes bring that opportunity, especially if the fresh eyes bring a lot of experience as an administrator. And you may get, the two of you made uh, your closing statements, you may choose to address this to, in any way you like to, but address it quickly here. Uh, about a minute, take a moment and step through those qualifications. Uh, well, your qualifications, you're an American citizen and you're old enough, but I mean, you're, you're law enforcement bona fides. Uh, Jimmy Williamson, we'll start with you first. I mentioned police chief for years at the University of Georgia. Flesh that out well first of all you know i started out of the sheriff's office i was a dispatcher jailer my first law enforcement job but you know i went to work for the university police while i was trying to finish my formal education and uh, i rose from the ranks from officer to corporal to sergeant you know investigator training officer shift commander then i went into uh, i was a chief at another small department 
And then I had the opportunity to come back, be captain for the University of Georgia Police. Uh, that required me to do a lot of travel, getting ready for the Olympics and planning for, and going to World Cup and things to get ready for the 96 Olympics. I supervised all the football rural operational plans. I got promoted assistant chief. I served eight and a half years as the assistant chief, handling all the budget and administrative processes and, and the patrol function and investigations. I oversaw all those things. And then, you know, when uh, the chief uh, retired, uh, there was a competitive national search, and uh, I was able to get the chief's position. And I served as police chief for 14 years, uh, being in charge of all the different things. So I've had a pretty long career. Uh, and Captain James Hale, uh, before Captain, what was there? So before Captain, I started with the Oconee Sheriff's Office in 2000. So I've been with Oconee County for 20 years. I started out the Barrow County Sheriff's Office back in 98 as a jailer. Uh, went to the police academy, uh, worked in court services there. Uh, once I was here for four years, I got promoted uh, to a corporal all the way through sergeant. And then uh, from there, I went over to the investigative side, worked investigations for about three years before I got promoted and, or appointed to the captain's position over the patrol division, where I've been there since then. Um, through that time frame, just you know, working with the budgets and, and all of that, those things that go along with the patrol division, uh, and also th on the administrative side of things through the sheriff's office, just, you know, working there daily. Uh, we have, and again, talking with James Hale and Jimmy Williams and candidates for sheriff in Oconee County, I, I, the exact number escapes me at the moment. I think it's something on the order of 38, 39 officer-involved shootings so far this year in Georgia. There were upwards of 90-some-odd last year. Six of those in Athens, five of those that involve fatalities. We see these from time to time become national stories. Sometimes race is involved, sometimes not. It all, and I don't mean to throw a blanket over all of these. If you have 100 shootings, you have 100 different case-by-cases that have to be analyzed. But, but Jimmy Williamson, take some time, and if you need a couple of extra minutes to deal with this one because this is a big thing. What about officers and their interactions with the public they serve? Uh, people will say they need additional training, different types of training. What would you say? Well, I think it all starts with the selection process, the hiring process. Make sure you're bringing the best candidate in that meets, you know, the, all the emotional types of things that come up. And that's why the we spoke about the other night, the selection process and your orientation to bringing, hiring people is huge. The selection process is everything. And once you get them on, on board, the key then is to make sure they're training, given all, this, all the training and skills that will help them deal with the complex world we live in. Reality is for years we taught about use of force and effective use of force. Now we're spending thousands of dollars to spend on mental health training, you know, crisis intervention, all the things to help them de-escalate the situations better because we're finding that a lot more people we deal with are on edge and sometimes our officers, while they're equipped with the right tools and understanding the use of force, sometimes there may have been another avenue for them and we're trying to give them that avenue and make sure we've partnered with other resources and making sure that we can bring other people in to help us, especially when we start getting into situations where people are having those mental health crises. Yeah, I think if you look across the country, the majority of the shootings have taken place is that these officers were put in tough situations. A lot of them were, a lot of times were more social calls that they were required to go check on. They weren't a true law enforcement call. And the reality is they got into a difficult situation and lacked the skills and lacked the training to deal with them. So, you know, that's where you got to constantly review what's going on. You got to have good partnerships in the community because a lot of times our, our mental health uh, professionals, they'll be able to tell you things that they're seeing prior to us seeing them. 
So if we have good partnerships and make us aware, then we can start making sure our people are prepared for it. It's not just the deputies on the road, too. It's the dispatchers. Dispatchers are dealing with very difficult things on the telephone. People forget about them. So you got to look at every level of service. And the last thing I want to mention is you got to provide a good quality of work balance life for your officers so they can be, I guess, more re recharged when they come back to work and they don't paint everybody kind of with that same brush. James Hale. So I, I agree with some of what he's saying. The, the, I think that a lot of times, though, that the officers and deputies that get into these situations, a lot of times, again, it's split-second decisions that are made in a fraction of, of a moment. But I think it's also a training level thing more than more than anything because if the more confident they are in their skills, the more confident they are in the laws, the more chances they have of not second-guessing what their decisions are going to be. Uh, and then they can probably use a little extra time to de-escalate instead of making that split-second decision. Uh, that's the best way I can explain it is the more the, the more training they have with mental health and dealing with those people um, that have mental health issues, they're maybe in crisis or whatnot, they, you know, they, it gives them extra time to, to work with that as long as they've got the training, their mindset's right, and it does start with that hiring process. It starts with the people that you have. Uh, it, it also takes the ones that you do have and, and train them better and more often in those situations so that they can better deal with it. All right, let me, I'm going to pursue that a bit farther. I know I'd follow up to you, James Hale, and then Jimmy Williams, and you can respond to this because you both spoke to training there. And this is obviously a layman asking a question here. I've never worn a badge or carried a gun the way you folks have. But I, I, I hear people say training, and part of me worries that, that you train so much and you give these officers so much of information that paralysis by analysis becomes a possibility and and you have an officer who's spending time going through options while the bad guy isn't well i don't think that it, yes that can be an issue but it, i think if you have positive training in the aspect of trying to give them avenues different avenues it doesn't necessarily nail it down to one specific way you have to deal with it there's no cookie cutter way of dealing with someone who's in mental health crisis you have to come up with a broad spectrum to to deal with that kind of incident so you know having those those deputies trained to the level that they're proficient in their skills proficient in the law understanding where they can go and what they can do and also having the freedom to make decisions without having somebody standing over top of them telling them what they have to do every time i think gives them the liberty to do those things and it opens it up so that those deputies can make great decisions yeah, but, but jimmy Wilson, here's who's standing over them okay sure. uh, and, and, and all those civilians out there with all those phones everybody is 60 minutes now well, the reality is the training we're talking about is just how allowing the officer to quickly identify what's going on in the situation where earlier before the training they didn't always know so they're trying to work their way through the problems. Law enforcement officers are problem solvers. They get called to everything. If there's an issue in someone's house and they don't know how to deal with it, they call. Whether it's a snake in the house or you know, or if the kid won't go to bed or there, there's a dispute between the two parents. The reality is they get there and they're trying to work through the, what they're being told to come up with a solution. What we're seeing now, though, is with some of the mental health crisis across our country, is the officers were coming on scene, not knowing exactly what was going on, and they go to that natural response. They're violating the law, and that requires an arrest, and it's hands-on, and some of the situations became more violent than, than maybe necessary from the original call. That's why a lot of this training is important, because it allows them to quickly get on scene, diagnose what's going on, and they've been taught solutions to de-escalate 
learning how to listen to certain words, use certain words to de-escalate the situation. Uh, Jimmy Williamson, uh, a question for you, we'll bring it back home. Uh, Oconee County, uh, the Sheriff's Office uh, will also, in addition to having deputies on the road, uh, will also work the jail, and, and, and that's a huge part of the responsibility. Talk about the facility and the people in it, your understanding of what, if anything, is needed there. Now they have a, a fairly new jail. Uh, the census stays fairly low. Uh, you know, Coney's a safe community, so they're not having to arrest too many people, but they're the facilities what they need. They have a good trained staff. Uh, as my understanding, they've got good policies in place. Federal law dictates a lot what goes on in jail, so it's outlined for you. Uh, so I feel like, you know, there, there'll be a review, just like any of the operations if I were to get elected, but it's just to see how we can improve. Uh, you know, a lot of times it's just doing the right uh, interviews with staff because a lot of times staff already know where there is improvement that need to happen. And, it, uh, and as we review those things, we see where we can improve. One of the things I do hope to do with the jail, along with the whole sheriff's office, is get them accredited or certified through the state. As the Georgia Chiefs and Georgia Sheriffs, it's a, and every business does accreditation. They have an accreditation process on about 195 standards that are considered best practices. And so I hope to do that for the whole operation. Uh, James Hale, the jail. Okay. Our jail is already certified through the Sheriff's Association. Um, we, we do have some, you know, it is a fairly new facility. So, of course, we do have um, every technology that you put in place the day you put it into operation, it's obsolete. Uh, so, you know, we constantly are having to upgrade those camera systems, the locking mechanisms in the jail. Uh, we have, a, there's a certain level of, uh, population that we maintain to an officer, you know, unit where you have one officer per so many. Uh, also, one of the big things that we've done in the past that I think can help us offset some costs for different things that we've done is, uh, is actually house out inmates from other counties. So using that facility to be able to do those things is great. We, I think our, our jail is built for 98 inmates and I think we normally, our census is generally around 25 or 30. Uh, at max, we're probably in the 45 range. So, you know, I think we've got plenty of room to be able to house out those inmates from other counties if they need be and, and try to work with other surrounding counties for that. Absolutely nothing to do with a debate or who should be the next sheriff. Just a question that I have because I'm curious in talking about the jail. Uh, any coronavirus concerns, any positive tests in the jail that we know of? No, sir, not, not, not currently. We, we are going through a process right now to where every um, deputy that comes to work, they go through the, the thermometer check to make sure that they're good to go. If they show any kind of symptoms, uh, we had one just last week that uh, came to work and we believe it's probably ended up being allergies or whatnot, had a coughing, you know, spell and, and got sent home immediately and got tested for, you know, COVID and, and then subsequently has now found out that there was a negative test. So, you know, we have had some of that stuff's concerns with it. It's obviously a concern because we're responsible for the for the well-being of those inmates. Uh, and and a, a, an obvious question, and we'll start with you, Jimmy Williamson, here. With that and the economic downturn we've discussed with the, the commission candidates and others this evening, the Oconee County Sheriff, whoever the next sheriff happens to be, is at least initially probably going to be called upon to do more with less. Uh, how will you go about doing that? Well, first of all, you know, you're going to have to take a look at operations. The, uh, the two things that are really three things in the sheriff's office uh, is 911, the jail, and the uh, patrol. You really don't want to cut in those areas. So you may have to look at some training cuts. You look at some natural attrition. Uh, we look at extending the, you know, the capital budget, meaning that we run cars longer. Um, and other supplies and things we cut. Travel to, you know, the tra uh, some of the travel we do, unless there's a, you know, a, a urgency, then we cut travel. You just cut where you can, and we may have to hold positions open a little longer than we normally do when a, if a position comes open. 
But the reality is everybody's going to have to tighten their belt, uh, including the sheriff's office. James Hale, same question. So I think the, the question was asked the other night in the, in the Oconee Enterprise Forum, and, and pretty much, I mean, it's not the first time we've been here. Back in 08, we had some pretty major cuts we had to make at the sheriff's office, and, and we didn't have to furlough anybody. Uh, luckily, currently, all of our patrol vehicles are, you know, paid for by the SPLOS, and we've got a fairly decent fleet that we've got going right now. Um, again, we, we would be able to extend those out for a long time. Um, the, as far as the uh, train outside training and things like that, we cut back. We reduced the mileage on the cars on a shift uh, to lower the gas amount of use of gas. Uh, just, you know, different things that we can do here and there that we've done in the past that we can do again. All right, closing statements, gentlemen. 90 seconds each, and James Hale will start with you. Okay. Now, I just want to thank you all for having this tonight and the Oconee Republican Party for having us here so that we can at least see some people in person. Um, but, you know, just wanted to, to thank the viewers for listening or, and seeing it tonight and listening on the radio and just wanted to make it clear that, you know, this is a tough decision people are going to make for the Oconee Sheriff. We're, we're, we're looking at unprecedented times right now with the COVID-19, and I want to use my experience at the Sheriff's Office, uh, 20 years worth there, to continue that level of excellence and service that we've, con that we've had here in Oconee for the last 20 years. Um, I want to continue to working with the schools to try to better make sure that our kids are safe going to schools. I want to continue to, uh, to remind the deputies that work at the Oconee Sheriff's Office that we are bought and paid for by you, the citizens of Oconee County. Um, I think that uh, the best way that we can serve you guys is to understand that and also to become, you know, pretty much full service in, in public safety altogether. I think that a lot of cross training can take place with the sheriff's office and the fire and the EMS to make those units work well together, uh, working well with the commissioners to get that done, and uh, also just benefiting the, the citizens of the county from those, those trainings. So. Um, again, my name is James Hill, and I'm asking for your vote, either early vote uh, uh, starting next week or May, June the 9th. Jimmy Williamson, 90-second closing statement. Again, I appreciate everybody tuning in to watch this tonight and the Republican Party hosting it. Um, and I thank you for the, having this tough job to ask these questions. But, you know, the, the reality is Oconee County citizens are making a tough a hiring decision. It's a hiring decision. You're hiring a law enforcement administrator to run a law enforcement business. It has an eight million dollar budget. It's staffed, you know, close to 100 personnel. The reality is, we need the people who have the experience to lead. I've done that. I've led. I had th almost 32 years in law enforcement. Out of that 32 years, I served almost 23 years as one of the top two positions: eight and a half as assistant chief, and 14 as the police chief. I know budgets, employment processes, recruiting, you know, all the things that come with the person that's got to make those decisions. I've been through those budget cuts. I've had those opportunities to do good things with limited resources and good things with uh, uh, better resources. I'm asking everybody in Oconee County to just take the time, be informed, look at each resume, look at the experience. The experience that leads what counts. And I'm asking you, please vote Jimmy Williamson for sheriff. 
Folks, thanks for coming out this evening. Best of luck to both of you. Thanks for As we have just passed the top of the 8 o'clock hour, again, what is known in the radio business as a legal ID. You are listening to WGAU Athens, AM 1340, 98.7 FM, a Cox Media Group radio station. Our final set of candidates for the evening. Again, we're a candidates forum that has been put together by the folks in the Oconee County Republican Party, streaming live on Facebook and elsewhere, uh, courtesy of Esoteric in Watkinsville, Three candidates, gentlemen all, who are seeking an open seat to probate judge's post in Oconee County. Certainly file on in over here, gentlemen. Slide in behind me and have a seat as I introduce you. George Roberts, Mike Hunzinger, and Jimmy Williams. Candidates to be the next probate judge in Oconee County. Fellas, take a seat and we'll get right to it here. And we'll spend, as we say, uh, get you down to close to the bottom of the hour here. Uh, by way of rules, uh, you'll have 60 seconds to answer the questions. Keep an eye on Pam. Uh, she will show you a sign that tells you you have 15 seconds seconds left to speak and then she'll tell you to stop when those 15 seconds are up and if she doesn't I will and so that's how we will proceed this evening uh, just opening questions for all of you and then we'll go in no particular order here uh, George Roberts and we'll start with you why do you want to be probate judge well, I've served this community for 19 years at the Oconee County Sheriff's Office and 17 and a half of those years have been in the Oconee County Courthouse this ain't something I woke up six months or a year ago and decided I wanted to do. After I came to the courthouse, I seen what went on there. I said, if Judge Anglin retires and I'm still able and willing to do it, this is what I want to do. I want to continue what he has started 32 years ago. And I've logged probably more court time than all the deputies put together at the Oconee County Courthouse with Judge Anglin. And I'm just prepared to step in and carry on what he started. Mike Hunzinger, why do you want to be probate judge? I first became interested in the probate process uh, with dealing with the, as the executor of my parents' estate when they both passed away and of the estate of my uncle when he passed away. Uh, got very educated in the process and, and kind of got that interest at that point in time and then uh, I've been in law enforcement for 33 years uh, with the athens Clark County Police Department where I rose through the ranks uh, obtained uh, my undergraduate degree from the University of Georgia my master's in public administration from Columbus State University uh, through all that leadership and, and getting an understanding of the probate cross process when I learned that Judge Anglin was retiring, uh, I feel like my personality, my compassion, my ability to work with the public, that the probate judge would be a good job for me to serve the citizens of Oconee County. And finally, Jimmy Williams. Well, uh, when I found out that Judge Anglin was retiring, uh, that was something I wanted to do. I've been working for the Oconee County Sheriff's Office now for 17 years. Previously to that, I worked for Athens Clark County Police Department, then the Clark County Police Department. Uh, during that 17 years, I've been working with the Sheriff's Office. I actually have been doing all criminal histories for the firearms permits for the probate court and for the guardianships for probate court. I overview those, read them, uh, make a decision whether that person has a uh, criminal history or not. I sign off on that and then send it up to Judge Anglin for the final determination. Uh, with my knowledge of how the probate court works, I think I could be a great um, candidate for that position. 
Well, let's talk about that, and we'll start with you, uh, Mr. Williams. In terms of what that office is, what that office does, give us a vision of what you would do if elected probate judge. Right, right now, the probate uh, court handles all uh, firearms permits, marriage certificates, uh, they handle all traffic uh, cases, uh, guardianships, conservatorships, uh, probating wills, and so forth. Right now, the processing that, that we're going through is if you get an application for any of those services that have to have a criminal history, you have to take that down. That's been sent to the sheriff's office. And then that goes to the sheriff's office. A communications officer in 911 dispatch actually does that criminal history. Then it comes to my office, I'll sign off on it, then it goes back to the courthouse. Uh, if I'm elected probate judge, I would like to streamline those processes. I would like to take that and have it all in-house. That way it takes time, uh, gives time back for the 911 dispatchers to do their job. Also, it gives a faster turnaround on the services that citizens want to them if I'm elected. All right, George Roberts, pick up on that. Uh, he's talking about streamlining the office. That, that's, that's good. I have talked uh, with the ladies, like I said, I spend a lot of times with probate court people and I spent a lot of time with the ladies out there and I have discussed with them some changes and asked them how they would feel about being able to fingerprint and run their own criminal histories and they seem to seem to like that and if I'm elected I will do everything working with the chairman and with the sheriff's office to make that happen and Mike Hunsinger I think the biggest challenge going forward for the probate court is just as our citizen, uh, as our population grows, the caseload is going to grow and there's going to be challenges there with that caseload. With the probate, uh, you've got seniors, more seniors moving into the community with Presbyterian Village. There's a big seniors, another senior development uh, coming in off Epps Bridge Road. So the probate uh, aspect of that is going to pick up. You're going to have more conservatorships, guardianships. Uh, so the need for resources, and I'm uh, very prepared to work with the other judges in the circuit as well as the commissioners to ensure that the budget is there to provide that court with the asset that it needs. I also would like to see a more uh, work with both sheriff candidates. I know them both very well. I've worked with them for a long time. I would like to work with them to bring more of those uh, needs into the courthouse so there is one-stop shopping for folks who come up there for weapons permits. Uh, needing the, back, the criminal background history so that we can do that in the courthouse and then not have to go outside. I noted uh, the three of you, uh, you all have this in common, you all mentioned law enforcement backgrounds. Uh, we'll start with you, Mike Hunter, and work our way back. How essential is that in terms of being a probate judge? Well, I think it's a good uh, skill set, knowledge to have because in Oconee County, because we do not have a state court, the probate judge oversees traffic court and misdemeanor criminal cases. So they actually hold court twice a month hearing those cases. So having the background in law enforcement, you understand uh, the offenses that are being committed, the penalties associated with those offenses, and can work through the prosecutor to move those offenses. And that's one thing that I would like to do also, is if you look at the number of cases, uh, which is only gonna grow with the population as it grows, right now, the county has about 5,000 cases a year that it sees. Um, if you pare that down, that's about 200, over 200 cases per court date that is, uh, that comes in if half of those pay their fines and you only have to have a hundred people come in that's a full day of court so one thing I would like to do is to work with the, ele the elected officials and the other judges 
and maybe look at maybe extending uh, those court, uh, the number of court days that we have in the county. George Roberts. We do have a lot of court cases. I've seen it for 17 and a half years and I've seen it grow every year for 17 and a half years. Ex creating more court days ain't gonna really help. Like I said, I've spoke to the ladies in the, that work in the probate office. They have expressly said to me that they don't want any more court days. I've worked them court days, it's about half a day, two o'clock at the latest, and we're done. Some of the days might get long when we have the bench trials. That, that's one thing. We used, sometimes we had to, they had to break it up into two days because there were so many bench trials. But you know, that's something we'll have to work with. We'll have to work through it. And if I'm elected, not just me, but the ladies that work there are going to have a say, and we're all going to work together. Jimmy Williams. Um, like I said, having a law enforcement background um, is essential, uh, I think, to this position. Uh, like Mike said, you know, if, if being that law enforcement and having those years' experience, you go to court, you actually know you testify on these cases. You know what the judges are going to expect. And I have also talked with folks at the courthouse, and George is right. There's some days that are only half a day that they're in court. A uh, majority of those cases are actually bound over to Superior Court. Uh, for trials. Um, right now, they, the only way you get a trial is to get a bench trial in front of the judge. If you want to get a trial uh, by jury, is actually bound over to Superior Court. That takes five minutes to do. Uh, so I think that having that um, knowledge and having the knowledge of how the courts work is what's going to make a good probate judge. All right, uh, you have mentioned, or somebody did a moment ago, and we'll start with you, Jimmy Williams, and work our way back. Somebody mentioned caseload. Uh, courts are basically, of course, the judicial state of emergency still in effect across the state, I think, for most all court activity. Some things that are being done uh, virtually, but most things, court procedures are shut down. Uh, somebody is going to win this election and inherit probably a pretty big case backlog. Uh, what do you do about that? Well, well you just have to handle it. I mean, if you're going to inherit a backlog, then we're just going to have to work longer hours to take care of it. I mean, and then see what is going to happen. Get with the prosecutors, get with the other uh, judges, and see if we can divvy those, some of those up to magistrate court, um, those things, and um, see how many want to be bound over to Superior Court for a jury trial. Um, it's just going to be, you know, work, and somebody's got to do it. George Roberts. I've been in law enforcement for 25 years, and all 25 of those years have been as a deputy sheriff. And I have yet to see a judge with a superior probate magistrate that does not have a backlog of cases. You just got to work it. You get through them as fast as you can and as efficient as you can. And, you, I mean, it, it's going to happen, especially after the COVID. You know, they're not really holding court. You, you, you're going to play a lot of catch-up, and I'm prepared to step in and do it. Mike Hunziger, same question. Well, I think, you know, the, right now a lot of things have been scaled back as far as law enforcement operations, so the backlog may not be as great as, as people might anticipate because uh, those of us in law enforcement are not writing as many citations. We're not arresting as many people right now. 
Uh, and I think by the time this rolls around and we go go into office in uh, the beginning of 2021, in January 2021, we will have caught up with it that time. I do want to clarify, you know, we talked about increasing the, the uh, when I was talking about the number of court dates to be increased, that would be if the caseload required. I've certainly, I've spent a lot of time in Judge England's courtroom and I've seen now uh, uh, that staff does an outstanding job. It is a very well-oiled machine and they process those cases uh, very efficiently and effectively. But what I want to ensure is that what we're doing is we're providing uh, the citizens of Oconee County the best service uh, at the best uh, value of their tax dollar. And I think that's the most important thing. And you have to do that. You have to work with the other judges and work with the, uh, the entire courthouse staff to include the sheriff's office to ensure that uh, everything works together. Oh, well, let's talk about that. You mentioned dollars. Let's start there because whoever wins this office is going to be short of those in all likelihood. Everybody's budget is going to take a hit here. How prepared are you to deal with that? And we'll start with you, Mike Hunzinger. Well, I've had a, a, a extremely a, a lot of experience in dealing with uh, short budgets and having to make the best of every dollar available. Uh, I too uh, was in a position to have to prepare budgets during the 2008 recession. Uh, I've already started in my current position. I've already started gearing up for the potential cutbacks related to where we are right now. Uh, so I think what you've got to do there is you've got to look at. Uh, you know, you want to do, again, you want to provide the best service to the Oconee County citizens at the best value of their tax dollar. The most important part of any department, agency, organization is its people. So we want to make sure that we've got what the staff of the probate court needs to do their job and do it effectively. And then from there, we look at uh, just the services that we're providing and how we can do those most George, efficiently. George Roberts. I ain't had a lot of work with budget as a deputy sheriff, but I did serve in the Army for 10 years. And beyond most people's belief, the military don't get anything they want. And I've been responsible for millions of dollars worth of equipment. I've had to write requisition forms for equipment. I've had to work around money so that my equipment that I needed, that my guys needed, or my women needed, we could get. We might have to take a cut here to be able to get this piece of equipment here. You know, it's just something we're just gonna have to work through when the time comes. And, you know, something that's not essential, we might have to put on the back burner to get something that they need, that we need, that the ladies in that office need. and something that will make Oconee County probate office better. And Jimmy Williams. Uh, working with budgets, I've, I've done that. I've um, actually done the budget for the Sheriff's Office since 2002. Um, I handle the budgets. I don't know all the budget presentations um, when we used to do those. Um, uh, I've actually had to do the budgets for our splash, uh, go to the public hearings on those. Um, I can work within a budget. I know what we have to cut to make uh, ends meet. But also, we, I want to let you know, we, there's also federal funds out there for, for grant programs. Uh, that's what I would actually do. Right now, I've already written uh, two grants for the Sheriff's Office and gotten almost $3 million for the Sheriff's Office. Uh, and we'll continue to do that if I'm elected uh, probate judge. Go out there and find other monies, uh, grant funding, um, that will assist with the... Um, 
with the equipment and the um, things that's needed to run that office. I'll start with you, George Robertson. This will be our final question, and then we'll go to the closing statements from the three of you. Uh, but George Roberts, we'll start with you here, and the other two will get to respond as well. Uh, part of being a probate judge, whether you want to admit it or not, uh, would be dealing uh, politically with a politically elected body, uh, that of the county commissioners, those are the folks who handle the budget per springs and, and strings, and will have a lot to say about what you get by way of money to spend. Uh, how do you see yourself playing in that role? Like I said, I've been that, working in that courthouse a long time. I've seen commissioners come and go, and I know all the commissioners, and I basically kind of see, because we have to work the commissioners' meetings, we watch it, I see what they expect, and I don't think I would have a problem at all working with them. I know every one of them, and I'm sure that we could all come to a mutual agreement of what my office needs and the needs that will make that office better. Jimmy Williams. Um, working with the county commissioners and the other elected officials I already do. I've been doing it through, uh, since 2002 um, by presenting the budgets to the board of commissioners, um, doing presentations to the board for the board of commissioners. And I will continue to do that. I will work with them closely uh, as I do today. Um, with the sheriff's office, and um, with that being said, then you know it's a learning process, and once you learn how to work and how to actually operate and do budgets and present those budgets, then you, you know it's going to be a pretty easy job. And Mike Hunsinger. Well, for the last several years, I've uh, developed and uh, operated under budgets of over twenty-one million dollars. So. Uh, you don't do that uh, without uh, first coming forward with a great preparation, uh, having the proper justification when you go into those budget meetings with those commissioners, having a relationship with the commissioners to, so that you under, they understand that you know there's going to be some years where you can give a little bit, but there's also going to be some years where you need to compromise in order to, uh, to get something. But uh, I will uh, make it the utmost importance, the priority, to look out for the office of the probate court to ensure we can deliver the services to the citizens. Uh, it's all about communication and having those relationships as the conduit for uh, uh, communications and ensuring that you can do uh, the best to make the budget that you won't work for the county. And finally, 90 seconds for closing statements. We'll start at my immediate right, uh, Jimmy Williams, and work our way down. Uh, Jimmy Williams, 90 seconds. Uh, again, I'm Jimmy Williams. I'm presently a captain with the Oak County County Sheriff's Office. 30 years of law enforcement experience. Having uh, experiences of doing the budgets and doing all budget hearings here in Oak County County since 2002. Um, if elected, probate judge I want like I said earlier in the beginning I want to streamline the processes to make it a faster turnaround on the services that the citizens of our county county wanting and require um, also I just want to let you know that I will uphold Georgia law I think the office of probate judge needs to have someone with integrity honesty and trust and you're going to have to have that with the probate judge um, they say a lot of people say, you know, well, I had a bad day. Well, you know what? A lot of people have bad days. You know, maybe the bad day was that you got that ticket. Who knows? But we have to look at those and do it on a case by case basis. And you know, as far as respect, you know, respect, you know, it's earned. Um, 
if you've been in this field long enough, then you know law enforcement people don't get respect sometimes, but you still, as a law enforcement officer and a judge, have to respect everybody's human rights and their rights to a speedy trial. Uh, the man in the middle, George Roberts. I'm George Roberts, and on June 9th, I'm asking you for your vote as your next Oconee County Probate Court judge. I'm a God-fearing, Christ-following husband and father of three kids who all attended and graduated Oconee County High School. I served in the Army for 10 years, two tours in the Middle East. I've been in law enforcement for 25 years, six years at the Clark County Sheriff's Office, and 19 years at the Oconee County Sheriff's Office. Oconee County is a great county. This is my county. This is my community. It's the community I have served for 19 years. I want the 17 and a half years that I've been in that Oconee County Courthouse, I have seen Judge Anglin run his courtroom, whether it's a will dispute, a guardianship, a conservatorship, traffic court, or whatever, I've been in his office. I've seen ladies in that office come and go. I know where the ladies work before they fill the positions they're in now. Anybody that knows Judge Anglin knows the kind of office that he runs. And for a smooth transition in the Oconee County Probate Court Office, I'm your best choice. If you want to continue the good service, vote for George Roberts on June 9th. Thank you. Right. And before Mike Hunsinger's closing statement, because I've done enough of these to know how this will work, as soon as he delivers it, people will go away. So I wanted to get my closing statement in. Uh, and then thank, first of all, a lot of people to thank here, the Oconee County Republican Party for organizing this, uh, North High Shoals for allowing us the venue in which to host it. Esoteric, uh, a marvelous job this evening, our first occasion to work with these folks. Uh, the video that you folks are watching on Facebook Live, the audio that you're getting through our radio stations are provided by those folks. Uh, great work for them. Jacob back at the station. Uh, and I, I frankly walked into this with uh, a bit of trepidation. This is new to us. We've not done anything like this by way of candidate forums, but everybody who's worked together has made this really well uh, made it a good occasion this evening and we'll look forward to doing more of these maybe uh, between now and election day and with that uh, the final closing statement of the evening to Mike Hunsinger. I just want to second the thank you to the Oconee County Republican Party for uh, inviting us as nonpartisan candidates to participate in the forum. Uh, it was very done very well and we appreciate that. Uh, I think the most important thing with your probate judge is you, it's, you want somebody who when you come in there and you're in a time of crisis, whether it's dealing with a probate uh, of a deceased loved one or trying to obtain a guardianship or conservatorship for someone you care about or uh, you know we have very little discussion that we've had about tonight is the involuntary committal of somebody in behavioral or mental crisis i think it's important that you have somebody that you're comfortable talking with and i'm that person uh, uh, my family we've been in this county 17 years i've got two kids they both went all the way through the oconee county school system uh, you know we've sold that popcorn we've sold that those girl scout cookies We've stood on the sidelines and we've cheered for uh, your kids as well as our kids. Uh, we know the community. I know the community. Uh, I'm involved in serving in many other ways with the community. We're both long, we're longtime members of 
uh, Briarwood Baptist Church, where we serve. I've been a deacon since 2007. Uh, I'm on the, in the Oconee County Rotary Club, where I've served as past chairman of the service committee. When you include all that as a commitment to our community, I think that that's what's important to, for a probate judge. When it comes down to uh, sitting up there and listening to the traffic and the misdemeanor cases, not everybody is a hardened criminal. And Mike Hunziger, we're going to have to end it there. Your time right. is up. But thanks again to each of you. A closing note here, I'm seeing this just now, that this will be posted on the Oconee County Republican Party website, the entirety of this, about two and a half hours of this this evening. So if you missed any portion of it or you found it so compelling you'd like to see and hear it again, that will be your opportunity. Again, thanks to everyone involved. We will, for the radio audience now, return you to regularly scheduled program on WG. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.